0: you're still on vacation maybe no i I i went to work today i drove to new jersey then i drove back from new jersey and I'm just a little, my brain is like, pow, pow,
1: pow. It's out of there.
0: It's outta out of here. It's out of there. Hey, do you need
1: sunglasses? I have some extra Oakleys.
0: I'm good. You know I, I mean need prescription it? sunglasses or I can't see. Sh- sh- oh, that's right. Yeah. You suck. I'll give them to you. you want, Thank you, you for you want telling to... me I suck because I have a, a vision problem. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it's, that. It's, uh, you know.
1: The feeling. I, I feel I, bad I, for you. That's why I'm friends with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's always this? good to befriend the blind. It's a, it's it's a, pity, a pity thing. The lame same reason i'm friends with john the can man oh that poor guy yeah. you know, did you know say has a can man also i saw him the other day is it a different can man or the it's same it's not john it's somebody else huh i've been thinking about him a lot lately he's been around well yeah i see him but it um, must be very hot it's very hot out he's used to it you know <laughs> yes he has, and i've been thinking about this a lot lately i'm glad you brought this up <laughs> okay. actually i brought it up but in any case you know, because um, people I know run into him, like Sergeant Slaughter had run into him and just uh, like, yeah. John says you haven't, you know, called him or anything and, you know. <laughs> does he have a phone? He does have a phone. I oh. think I helped him set it up, actually. Um, and I thought to myself, man, am I just being a, a, like an asshole? Because, you know, we were good, I don't want to say, like friends. I considered him a friend, you know. He Did was, you? Yeah. <laughs> I want to believe that I did. Okay.
0: It I mean, he used to—he used your store as like a uh, place to touch base with norm- normalcy, I guess.
1: But not only that. Before that, um, I met him through recovery. Right. So he was a brother in recovery. Yes. So I,
0: I feel but like you know, there's a lot of people that go through recovery that you wouldn't necessarily like want to be friends yeah, with, right? Most of them. Yeah. Right. Except for. Our audience, of course. course. Yeah, well, these
1: people I like. (laughs) Right. Um, But for him, I feel like I could follow up. I could call him, how are you doing? But for me, I feel like I don't have much to talk with about him. You don't have a lot in common. No. To be
0: honest. I mean, he...
1: I don't mind. I don't know. He wanted me to come to meetings with him and stuff and if i ever do go back to meetings um I, but the more i get away from it and the better i'm doing in my life the less <laughs> the less interested right yeah i yeah. mean it was Listen, great he's
0: going to have to get to the meetings he can do that yeah. himself i mean he's got he some can. time on his hands it's
1: just that i don't want him to think i i don't i'm not caring about him or that my friendship was any Listen, less uh, than he, authentic
0: you know okay Let, let's be realistic about this yeah. he is Certainly a suffering fellow traveler on the road of life and he's right? a
1: good guy, and he is ten years sober
0: yes oh, crack. that's that's amazing he's still but, homeless but but he's also you know he's got he's a little crazy yeah. can I just say that there can, I, is. can I say that well, it
1: takes a certain degree of mental illness to have enough money uh to get a place to live and then to decide you 'd like it better outside because of the freedom some would
0: say that um the mentally ill let that the homeless choose to be homeless
1: some oh, he clearly did i had him with a place that you know i got him a place like ready to he could say afford that, but he, some would say um and then he said no um, where where was that place it was like one of these apartments above you know it was like a probably an illegal it shouldn't be illegal, They're like all a basement illegal. apartment or something yeah. like that in town it was nearby mm-hmm. And I did it was through my church, you know, and and see oh, so you really you really did family. some work. For I that. spoke to youth yeah. and family, and, and my church worked with them. And Ed, he saw the place, and then he's like, "Nope, I uh, want to okay. be on the streets." And we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat X, and I'm Mike with no last initial, apparently. And boy, do we have a show for you today on RMA. We pick apart the overused bromide, everything happens for a reason, and discuss if things just happen, after which we assign whatever meaning makes us feel most comfortable. And (laughs) NatX is taking his talent to Greece. Find out how and why today on a very special edition of RMA. Hey! Hey! And that was a reference most people will have forgotten about. talents. Taking my talents to South Beach. That's what LeBron James said when he announced he was leaving the Cleveland...
0: His talents or his talons? He said talents. <laughs> okay. Because you I, have I, talons, I, which I thought was like a Greek coin. This is a... Uh, is, a, a Greek, is a talent a Greek coin? Because it sounds like it could be. The Greek money used to be drachmas. Right. And now, also, when you speak about... Bromides. I think of patent medicine that has heroin in it. <laughs> <laughs> bromides is a word I picked up a few years ago that I liked. Somebody used it
1: in a book and I didn't know what it meant and I looked it up. It's a great word. It means like um it's, it's like a, a saying. A trite and unoriginal idea or remarks. So okay. I guess it has negative connotation. Typically yes. intended to soothe or placate. So all of you out there in the rooms in recovery, you are bombarded. With these bromides. You, you marinate in, in a stew of bromides. And what I found was that after a certain point, I could carry on entire conversations using, you know, mostly bromides, right. filling in with a little improv and more bromides. Right. And one person would say bromide, and I would come back with that, another. That makes you a recovery guru, you Boom. know. Boom. Yeah. Um, but they're <laughs> um, usually... What's the
0: other word for bromide? It's, it's um, a, you know, a trite saying. There's a word for that. What, do you, what the hell do you call those um, things? Um i uh, getting bogged down in the English if language. Nothing
1: ha- if nothing changes, nothing changes. Yeah. Or hurt people,
0: hurt people. Right. Anyway. Or easy does it, but do it. So while you're getting at your thesaurus, yes. I would like to remind you that this episode is brought to you by the Recovery in the Middle Ages Patreon. Uh, what is a Patreon? You all know what a Patreon is by now, don't you? What it's a members-only it? subscription service featuring our famous Discord private message server, chat, and video meeting platform, We have not done either of those things. For all patrons, it's like having a recovery support family right at your fingertips. Yay. Members will also get extra mini shows, pictures, exclusive merch for joining, and an added level of support. Can I say something? I'm raising my hand. Can you? Yes, you can. Um, Speaking of uh,
1: merch getting shipped, I was just checking the email for the um, podcast, and it looks like two um, mugs were shipped yesterday. Oh, nice. I'm not
0: sure to who or to whom. Did you notice that somebody joined last week? No. Yeah, you should probably go in there and give them the secret yeah. c- codes to the Discord server. Um, I, I'm i getting back on top of this, I promise. You know what? We both are. And here's the thing. It was a little rough, the end of the school year, all the stuff that came up. I went on vacation. Nat's going on vacation. But when Nat returns, mm. I promise, more engagement, more of everything. And and definitely, a lot of my issue was this
1: new job you know i i didn't have staff to support me and now i do and i'm finding that i'm doing more delegating and managing and less important to delegate everything yeah so i've got some great people working for me now and um i'm gonna have more time and i can't wait and i might even get my the owner of the company that i work for to maybe want to talk to us Interesting um, idea to have your boss a, on. He's a psychologist. Do we, so we have to be nice to him and it's all softball questions? No and way. No, he's he's <laughs> a really um, direct person. Is he? Yes. Okay. And he would expect nothing less from the people he's talking to. And it's, <laughs> he wants you to, you know, give it to him
0: like that. So well, that it, should be interesting. You give it to him like <laughs> that. Give it to him. Give uh, it to me, Neil. I had, <laughs> I, had, uh, I had an idea before. I was like, I said to Erin, I'm like, you know, Dimitri should come on the podcast. And she's like... No, because no. <laughs> I'm like, well, because Dimitri, I was like, yeah, he knows all about like weed and stuff. Like it might yeah. be interesting to get a perspective from someone who's just heading off to college or something. You know, Especially
1: because like, a lot of the monksters have kids his age, yeah. probably. And um, I'm not against it. My wife is also against, well, I have an 11 year old, so it's a little different, but
0: I, I love the idea. Yeah, I don't want him listening to it. He did ask me the other day, he goes, uh, yeah. who's the most famous person you had on your podcast? And I'm like, it's a good question. It is a good question. I couldn't probably Jesse Jarno. That's what I. That's what I told. I think. Them. Yeah. I mean, he's
1: fam- fam- more famous er than, um, what's his name? Paul Churchill was kind right. of big. And uh, the other guy. Uh, yeah, him. Mishka. Yeah, Mishka Shubali. But I feel like Jesse Jarno because the the Dead yeah. community is. In fact, in fact. Um, we had an ad on Dopey. Dave gave us an awesome pre-roll ad. Uh, yeah. You haven't heard it yet because it's the show coming out. From, you, I know you um, get special access and pre-rolls. yeah, I give it a, a listen and just make sure it doesn't uh, there's rub no it issues. in issues. And so we're gonna have an ad and Dave unsolicited mentions the Jesse Jarno. Great. He he says, um, you know, check it out. You know, the great Jesse Jarno is on it. Nice. It's really nice of him. Um, Uh, Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. He's coming on the show, by the way. I just, probably September, I'm going to have him in Castle Grayskull. As soon as I fold the laundry
0: down here. Yeah, you definitely want to fold this. (laughs) He needs somewhere to sit. (laughs) uh, You should see it down here, people. It's not pretty. And the camera's only facing, you know, the area where everything is not fucked up. Yeah uh and which i may post this video this week yes yes yeah. i can't
1: wait till we get back on top of our game here and i know we've been all to the
0: blocker, but yeah we're totally um, yeah. yeah but anyway so come over to middleagesrecovery.com and sit a spell pull up a chair and speak hang out in the recovery lounge um also, you know, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, we're on there. Do we still post the show automatically to YouTube every week? 100%. No. In okay. fact, so we're if you'd getting rather listen on YouTube. We have new
1: subscribers all the time on YouTube, I'm noticing. Uh, um, we had some popular I haven't shows. checked the
0: numbers lately. Are we... Yeah, does well... Does anybody listen to us anymore? They do. Good. They do. Um, yeah, we have a good audience. We also have had a weekly RMA recovery meeting on 1130 on Eastern time on Sunday mornings. Uh, that schedules a little bit in flux. Look for something to be more solidified in the fall in terms of when that's going to take place. I think we should make a commitment we to should. ourselves yes. to be at those meetings. What we need is a staff meeting yep. between you and me where we can sit down and outline. Let's hammer it out. Yeah. We'll hammer it out. Okay. Cause we've just been grinding it out yeah. <laughs> lately. Um, Okay, is there something you wanted to say? <laughs>
1: Welcome to all the monsters listening stateside around the world, down the street, across the table, and right next door. Welcome all. Settle in, buckle up, and get ready for excitement, comedy, tragedy, intrigue, mystery, and so much more. Great reviews will be read oh, on yeah, the air. Right. I changed the order. Did you yeah, see it Yeah, a I little bit. There? I know. It confuses it, me. It made time. more sense. I should have right. told you before. Great reviews right. will be read on the air. Um, the best place to do that is Apple Podcasts, um, but we'll take it where we can get it, so give it to me.
0: Give it to Nat, because Nat really needs it.
1: I need it. I'm um, grabbing my ankles for you. Just give it. Tell us your story by logging on to <laughs> middleagesrecovery.com.
0: I don't know what, what to do with that. Um, here's the thing. If you guys want to tell us your story, you can write it out, but who does that these days? Why don't you send us a TikTok, a I would short love. video or something? That would be awesome. That would be fucking great. We would play. Just wear a bag over your head if you don't want to be... <laughs> identify. Anybody who does that gets a free merchandise dice thing. Yes, t-shirt. T-shirt cuz I got a box of monsters. T-cozy. Yeah. Um or call the hotline 516-888-6297. Leave us a 3 to 5 minute message. Uh we'll definitely play it on the air. We haven't gotten a few of those. And recently, we haven't we haven't gotten any of those recently. I shouldn't yeah. say we haven't gotten a few of those. Well, we don't push it enough, but yeah, if you guys yeah. want to hear yourself we don't push on anything. the air, the show's been on autopilot yeah. the last three months. It's
1: we're working on it. We are. Um, we are. I swear to God. I yeah, swear to God, you can be heard by thousands of monsters out there, and you know, tell us your story. Yeah, do it. So, uh versaries, we got a few. Yeah, we had a few. I, I realized I was kind of neglecting some of those, and I, Wait, I wanted I'll, to. Yeah, go,
0: just before you okay no. i just got um, uh-huh. okay. yep. yeah, no, to um uh huh hmm. that's okay yep it's all good wait no to
1: yeah uh,
0: um yes, please son. feel free go ahead all right you going to get to read them out
1: yeah you know i really wanted to make a point of announcing these great monsters who have done it and they're staying sober and we want to support them um, I have a few here if I forgot you or didn't say it send me another message because we're going to be doing this every week Amy G is celebrating two years yay Amy um, Queen Elizabeth of Munsterhaven <laughs> has a year and a half as yay. of yesterday um, and then the great Allie P uh, had one year on uh, July 25th yay so, that's great can you all. can
0: you do two things at once
1: yeah, yes. you can. That applause is for everyone. Yes, it is. We're applauding all of you. I want to uh, support uh, our community even more by calling attention to everybody who is doing the hard work and and doing it good. Even if it's a so, day. Do we, are we going to do a wall of shame
0: for relapses also? If you relapse, we will <laughs>
1: announce your full name as it appears on Facebook and uh, uh, post your picture. Yeah. No, but for real, guys, let's, let's celebrate us Relapses are together. nothing to be ashamed of.
0: Um, okay it's just field research as paul churchill calls it field Make sure you get back. research we do so have we have email. a listener email yes yeah okay um hello hi fellas oh well it's from jay i'll yes. just say jay hello fellas from the l- fellas i like that yeah. fellas a lot of people call us fellas have you I noticed that People are I always like, hey, that. fellas. Hey, fellas. Like, we're just a couple of swinging dicks here sure in the <laughs> studio. Hey, fellas. Uh, hello, fellas from the left coast. I just discovered the podcast. So far, so good, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am five, comma, 16, comma, 30 days sober with single day binges in between. I'm having a real hard time accepting the AA higher power thing. Any advice? I want to stop, but I don't think AA is going to be my way. Mm. There's something, there's a, like a rhyme in there somewhere like uh-huh. AA or my, my AA or the highway AA. Uh, I have checked out the smart recovery and I'm going to give that a try. Jason. Uh, thanks for the kind word, Jason. Kind words, <laughs> Jason. I have not done this in You'll a while. Um, so I responded to Jason. Hmm. Should I read that or do you yeah. want to read it in my voice? Would you like me to <laughs> go for it? All right, this is
1: from Mike R. He responds. Hiya, Jason. Or haya, haya, Jason. Is it, it haya or haya? Whatever, it's, it's kung fu. hiya Jason. Thanks for listening. We seem to have a lot of California folks that tune in. What part of California are you from? See, I was I cou- being conversational. Though. Oh, I shouldn't have read that part. That's okay. yep. <laughs> I couldn't do AA either. Um, I don't believe that I need a higher power to recover from an alcohol use disorder. The very idea strikes me as insane <laughs> well that might have been a that was little strong harsh, words yeah, you know i i believe in a higher power and, uh, I, me too but i am insane but. i say this as someone who is a believer in some See? sort of force in the universe could it be more innocuous just not one that will cure me of being a drunk while at the same time giving children cancer uh, this is goes to our discussion. Thing. It does. Okay. I recommend reading This Naked Mind by Annie Greats or Alcohol is Shit by Paul Churchill. Those approaches are both more or less self-administered CBT therapy like, behavioral therapy, like smart recovery, which I also highly recommend. What worked for me after years of false starts was internalizing the lessons in those books and getting to the point when I realized that all the things... I thought I was getting from alcohol, weren't really what alcohol was offering. I started seeing sobriety as a desirable state rather than a state of deprivation. Yeah, I like that one. It took some time, but once I got there, I really didn't have much of a desire to drink anymore. Alcohol was causing more anxiety in me than it ever cured. If cravings are the issue, then take a look at the Sinclair Method or... Watch the documentary, One Little Pill on Amazon. The AA folks talk shit about medically-assisted treatment, but I think there's a place for it in some cases. This isn't to be construed as medical advice. <laughs> Always check with uh, your doctor yes. before starting any treatment or medication. Uh, that's the lawyer. Big that's disclaimer. RMA legal. Yeah. I've discovered that the folks who are successful at long-term recovery are the ones that keep at it. You can have 100-day ones, but keep at it. Persistence is hugely important. Hugely totally agree. Huge. Huge. I don't know you at all, but I think that you deserve to be able to live a meaningful and authentic life, however you define it. Uh, you will get there if you keep plugging away. I'm, hope, I'm looping that in and we'll see what words of wisdom he might have. Uh, be well and feel free to reach out anytime.
0: So, yeah. Nat, do you have any words of wisdom from our fella on the left coast, Jay? Uh,
1: um. So, words of wisdom, you know, I was once like you. <laughs> no, but but seriously, folks. Um, look, it, it's a, I was there um, when you're at that point in recovery or trying to get you know recovery, where you know you've passed the point of you know you have to stop. Mm-hmm. You know what it's doing to your life, and now you're basically just fighting yourself. Yeah. Um, and so that will that will happen just because you're not like saved by the light and magically you know. Be completely abstinent. Um, you keep working on it, you know, and just to not get down about it. There's so many ways to get sober. Um, just like what we did. I, I mean, I did everything. Um, for me, I went to AA diligently. I did a ninety and ninety, which is ninety meetings and ninety days. I worked steps, and it did. Yeah, I re- it was relapsing all the time until I really. Did the holistic approach, meaning the whole shebang. It was um, 12-step meetings. I saw a psychiatrist, and I was on Mm anti-craving medication. I was seeing a licensed clinical therapist, and I was really doing my own research. I was constantly reading addiction memoirs and how-to books, and I just dove into it fully. And once I got through about six months like that, I noticed the cravings that I used to fight off on a daily basis, psychological and physical. Just, they're not there anymore. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I achieved pharmacological extinction when I took naltrexone and also drank because I did do that. Mm. Um, so I'm wondering,
0: did I have that effect? You I think know? a lot of people who take naltrexone still do drink. Yeah. It's probably... Like- that's even sort of wrapped up into the Sinclair method. Is yeah. still drinking
1: while you're it taking might, it. Yeah, it might even help yeah. you. If the way that um, what's her name from the Sinclair method uh, movie, One Claudia. Little Pill said. Yeah, she said the her method, the Sinclair method was to, if you're planning on drinking that night, an hour before you drink, you take your Naltrexone pill. And uh, what she said, and I guess what I guess doctors had said to her, or the research she had done showed that if you do that. Your brain will not get the same reward from the alcohol as it used to. Mm. So what happens is you've got naltrexone, you take a drink, and then your body doesn't get the uh, the reward. Mm-hmm. And so by doing that, your brain won't crave that action mm. in the same
0: way, and that's right. pretty permanent, I guess. Now you said you did a lot of your own research, and you uh, you went out and you found some solutions on your own. Um, you know, so there are some there are some who say in the recovery community that. You should not be the architect in charge of your own recovery. That, yes, you should keep coming back. If mm. I could borrow a bromide keep, from our brotherhood. Keep coming our back. our AA brotherhood. It works if you work it to work it, you're worth it. Right. I take issue with that one. I do believe in that you keep coming back. That okay. That is very important because those that come back are those that succeed. Right. And I don't mean come back to the church basements. I mean just coming back time and time again. Right. And reapplying yourself to your recovery, whether that takes the form of AA, Smart Recovery, uh, Celebrate Recovery, Dharma Recovery, whatever, yeah. any of it. Um, but uh, some would say that there's there's some danger in you crafting your own, you're charting your own path there. Yeah, that you should trod the well-worn path of the others. I agree with that to a point. Yeah, um,
1: I wasn't able to do my own research, quote unquote, and sort of steer my own recovery successfully until I did the acute phase work, which took me to say, I'll do whatever the, the, you know, this program says just because my own instincts, my own impulses are not going to serve me total surrender. So at first for sure, just to get myself to a point where I can then have a clear head. And then I could ask myself, is this really the best thing for me now that, you know, I've got some time under my belt and you know, um, but it took me, I don't know, a long time. It took me five years to get my first year. Um, so maybe if I had just listened from the beginning, it would have been better. I don't know. Well, how
0: is the first step traditionally laid out? What ha, ha, What is the first step?
1: It is um, uh, It's not a quiz, admitted but... to myself that... Um, alcohol shit it's like <laughs> something something in my life has become unmanageable um, i'm powerless powerless right. admit that i'm powerless over alcohol
0: and that my life had become unmanageable um so if we were to rewrite that taking out some of the things that are a little little squishy in there and and there's a whole bunch of first steps out there like people have rewritten the first step over and over right right um, admitted that i had problem with alcohol, and that alcohol has made the rest of my life extremely difficult. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> too too much equivocating? Pretty equivocal. Because, you know, for some, the life doesn't become entirely unmanageable, right? I mean, you I still get up, go to work every day, you know, do all, all right. that stuff. The actual step is we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. That's right. Powerless over alcohol. And okay. our
1: lives had become unmanageable, right? Mm-hmm. Wow, you can tell I haven't read the steps in a long time. <laughs> But, um, you know, the powerless thing is a huge problem, I think, sometimes. Mm. Um, the the reason that it worked for me to say that is because I was so controlling and I had to be in control of my, you know, situation. But I was behind the wheel and I was drunk. You right. You know, so sometimes for me to, to say, you know what, I can't do it the mm-hmm. way I am. I'm going to have to let uh, someone else, someone else's program and ideas kind of steer the truck for a bit. And... But then I think you get your power back. It doesn't say you're, you're powerless forever. It's like at the moment you take that first step, Mm -hmm. you know, you should accept that you need help. And I think that's really what it is.
0: Yeah. There's, there's the, there's accepting that you need help. And then there's accepting that you're completely powerless. I I think that it's, it's a, I don't know, maybe it's a difference without a distinction, without a difference, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, whatever. I mean, I think, I think the, 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 Funny part about recovery in general is that, you know, when you first start thinking that maybe you don't want to drink anymore, you know, and I see it all the time in these, um, you know, these internet groups, these Reddit, stop drinking subreddit, you know, everyone, a lot of people start out with this idea that I'm drinking too much and what I need to do is get it down so I can, so I only can drink like once a week or if the I moderation. only have a drink every now and again, you know, and that's the goal. And then people get suckered in because, you know, after 30, 60, 90 days, however many days without any alcohol, you start to realize how much better it is without having any. And then all of a sudden your goals change. And then by the time you realize that all you have to change is every single thing about your life, yes. you're, you're so far in and you've reaped so many benefits that it's, it's not as much of a overwhelming thing as it would be if you walked in and someone told you, you have to change every single thing about
1: they, I mean, the way, they,
0: what you do. You know what I mean? They
1: said that to me, and that reminds me of being early on in, in an AA meeting. And there was one of the elder statesmen who was a great speaker and he was very animated when he told his story. I love this guy. I would love to have him on. And that was one of the things that he like really drove home to us was You have to do everything in your life differently. Mm -hmm. If you put your uh, pants on right leg, then left, do it left, then right. If you normally drink coffee in the morning, drink it, you know, drink something else. Like Hmm. the idea that you have to change in everything. And it's, it's definitely true. I mean, it's almost impossible to do that, though. I was unable to change. It's completely
0: overwhelming to think about doing it all at once, especially when you can't find your ass from your tits. Right. It's not
1: really possible, but the point, like eventually I think I did change every little thing, but it takes, uh, takes little steps. Yeah.
0: Maybe, uh, the first step admitting you were perilous. Yeah, Um, maybe. (laughs) Sorry. I just had to bend over. That's more of a thing these days. Like it's much harder. Um, So thanks for that, uh, Jay. Appreciate the email, and I hope something we've said helps at all. Uh, Feel free to reach out anytime. Feel free. You know where to find me. Feel free. Hey, I I just had a weird experience today. What happened? Can I just mention this to you? Tell me. Um, So you know me. I'm a bit of a Facebook guy, right? I'm on there always mixing it up on the Facebook group. Right, not necessarily on ours, but on others, I fight with people, and I generally have yeah. a, have a good time with rancor and a very good time bad feelings. Uh, no, I don't do that very often. But I did leave a comment on a story about working, and how I said like, somebody posted an article from the Times or something, and it was about how people are working weird now since the pandemic like they've gone back to the office but some people actually like going in on strange days like when nobody's there and i made a comment that yeah i do that i prefer fridays whatever i get a call from the from the wall street journal who wanted to interview me about this what based on a facebook comment that i made and this is not the first time the wall street journal has found me wow i know this sounds like i'm paranoid schizophrenic but i'm not the wall street journal a year ago inter found me on a comment I made on Reddit and interviewed me about uh, mortgage rates and it ended up in the paper.
1: What the hell? Yeah,
0: so now I spoke to this reporter today. I locked myself in an office and talked about how I really like coming in on Fridays because there's nobody there and it's very quiet and I can get shit done. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're going to put it in the paper. That's so cool. <laughs> Isn't that weird though? I'm never in the paper. Uh, you. That's... See, something good can come out of always being a dick on Facebook. Right? Oh, that's
1: so cool! Did you mention our the podcast in the uh, in your I,
0: byline? I should have, right? I should have taken that opportunity, but she wouldn't have put that in there. Not probably because it was a. I'm like, how do you? I'm like, does the? Well, I asked her. I said, do you guys just find your sources on social media? Because <laughs> I said that sounds like lazy reporting to yeah, me. You're just cruising Reddit. <laughs> anyway, yeah. it's just I, I didn't mention that earlier. I just wanted to get that out, but. Yeah. Anyway, Well, yeah. congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I can't wait Thank to you. see it. Um, I
1: did want to say before we go on, uh, there was a really interesting post on Dopey Nation by David S., and he gave me permission to read it. Oh, yeah. Um, but I don't know if I'm going to read it today. It's kind of long. Okay. Um, but I did want to, um, you know, it's like this. Oh, that's long. Yeah, it's kind of long, but it's <laughs> really crap. good. And he said I could use it. What's it about? Um, Well, he's celebrating. Now I'm going to have to read it. All I... right. It's long. Yeah. Um, it's just he's 11 years free from, um, oh. you know, he said 11 years, he says, um, awesome. that he's sober. Um, he brings up uh, Kratom and talking about how it's helping him in a mm. responsible way and, and all of that. And obviously, I relate to that because I also take Kratom. Still? Uh, yeah, just a little bit. Okay. I just wasn't sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he always, Always with the... Yeah. In the morning. Okay. Um, and I think it like helps me, but it doesn't really change my and healing no or anything. No judgment here, bro. <laughs> I mean, if it, but I mean, it's just like, you know, yes, it, you're still sober. And I had to say to him, you know. Oh, I got into it with somebody in a yeah. different group about that. I said Kratom can be extremely helpful to some people in recovery and to others. It is the thing they need to quit. You, mm-hmm. you get to choose which one you are. And I think, you know, the answer. Spoiler. It's yes, you are sober because you grew up and grew sober and you know the difference. Yes, absolutely. Um, 100% agree with your advice. Thank you. Yes. So thanks, David S. Um, Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, Okay. (laughs) Are we on to the life update? I believe we are. All right. So um, did you go to Yellowstone? Yes. Yes. And uh, did you have some... Exciting times? Did you have some dangerous times? I had some
0: exciting and dangerous times. Um, Because, you know, when you take three kids, two teenagers and one preteen, and you bring them to what's basically a large, empty space, um, you have to figure out how to keep them occupied. Yeah. So I sort of channeled my inner inner redneck, and I set up a whole bunch of stuff for us to do. One of those things was shooting... um, all kinds of weird guns in Wyoming because you can. And Ben who was 11 was shooting a Glock nine millimeter. I should, I should post the videos (laughs) on the, in the discord. But, um, you know, we're not really like super gun people, but it was just kind of funny. Aaron was blasting away with the thing too. So that was one day. And then, you know, we, uh, and then we interspaced that with like tours of the grand Tetons park. We were staying in Jackson hall. It was nice. um, we did some whitewater rafting. We did a little bit of uh, what was the other thing we did? Oh, ATV riding through the woods. Nice. Yeah, yeah
1: it's very uh, yes. rednecky. Very you. rednecky. And like then it. after, then you
0: storm the Capitol or no? No, we. Yeah, okay. I skipped that one. That. Um, but then after all that was done, uh, then we did Yellowstone proper, and the kids were actually surprisingly really engaged. Well, it's overwhelmingly amazing, right?
1: I've never been there, but I can. It's, imagine. It's incredible. There's
0: animals yeah. everywhere. Um, and then, you know, Jack and I went out one night to look at the Milky Way, which we're a part of, but oh, you can this, see it. The you stars know. Might, yeah. must be amazing. Because there was no, there's no light pollution. That right? is so cool. So while we were out there, um, and this kind of freaked me out a little bit, um, we're standing out there in this uh, valley in Yellowstone. Uh, we It's about a, I don't know, 15 minute drive from the hotel we were staying at in the park that night. We go there, we pull off to the side of the road, turn off all the lights in the car, set up some iPhones to try and take some pictures. And uh, as we're standing there, we start, we, we're asking each other, gee, do you think there's any wolves around here? And... Uh, hear that? What the hell? That is the wolf pack that surrounded us while we were looking at the stars.
1: No Bigfoot? Are they too close?
0: Are they too close? Wow. That just bugged me out, my earphones. And so that car that passed by, and they were quiet after that, and I would kind of hit the key fob, beep, beep, and then they, they went away. But no sign of Bigfoot? I mean, I think no, there are I'm Bigfoot sorry. around. I, I, I have heard that there are Bigfoot around, but... Uh,
1: yeah, you would yeah. know because it doesn't sound like anything else.
0: No, I didn't hear any big feet. <laughs> but that's so cool also yeah, was great um so the, wow i mean and and what what was really great about it and and the kind of thing that was kind of funny about it is um you know there's a tourist town that you stay in west yellowstone it's near the west entrance to the park and it's a little bit of a honky-tonk town and the the only places to go for dinner really are are like bars right so you know uh i t- i took your cue and a couple of places i ordered the shirley, shirley temples Temple. And then I started getting into the root beers nice. and uh, oh,
1: that root beer when they make their own and yeah, stuff, uh, and local they have root a, beers they do.
0: They had a bunch of local root beers, That's cool. really good. I got Jack into the root beer, but at no time did I feel like, even though I was sitting in this bar, yeah. surrounded yeah. by every you know people who were drinking up at the bar and in the little casinos in the bars and stuff, at no time did I feel like I would I wanted to drink. I didn't even want a, a non-alcoholic beer. I just you know it just didn't even occur to me. Yeah, and I thought what a difference if I had gone there. You know, four years ago, five years ago, I would have been half in the bag every night. I probably wouldn't have gotten up at in the crack of dawn to go look at stuff like I yeah. did or been able to go out. I definitely would not have gone out with Jack at 10 o'clock at night to go look at the Milky Way yeah. if I had had like a bunch to drink. Yeah. You know? I mean, you got so much more out of it. So I, I got way more out of it. And I and I realized how much I love these vacations now that I'm not drinking. Like yeah. I'm, I get so much more out of them. It's incredible. Yeah, that's so great. Yeah. yeah, so that was that was well, that was what I've been doing the last couple of weeks. I'm
1: glad um, to hear that because um, I actually started to get some anxiety when you were leaving, and I realized. I said, you know, Mike and I haven't really talked about not drinking in a bit because we're not mm, seeing each other every week, and right. I'm like, I'm being a bad uh, tandem sponsor because I'm not checking in, you know, like, uh, and so I made a point to say, if you feel like drinking. Give me a call, even though you know that. Okay, but it's I appreciate that. To, not because I think you're going to drink, but part of getting the support from your sponsor, a tandem sponsor, is you know that reminder that right. you know there's someone keep you know who's thinking about it, and you know that you could always call and you know, uh, well, and it's okay. You don't have to feel like you know bad about it, or you could call me anytime. It's always
0: open for that. You know. I appreciate that, and um, so I want to run something by you real quick. Um, mm. this weekend i'm going to we're going to my my late wife's father's eightieth birthday, so okay. it's a surprise party, and his kids have rented a house in the Poconos, and we're all going to the Poconos and we're going to stay there for two nights. Oh wow. the family drinks like fish really yeah so i'm a little like Mm. that fills me with a little bit of anxiety not because i feel like i'm gonna drink but i feel like it's gonna be a weird situation being around people who i have a very intimate emotional relationship with by virtue of the fact that i was married to their daughter for so many years and uh and they're gonna be drunk and i'm not you know yeah yeah, so. that's that's annoying. I mean, but where are they at with drinking. you drinking? I don't want to say they're going to be drunk because honestly, oh, you know, I'm not, I don't want to cast aspersions. They are, people like to drink, but they're not like, most times and it's not out of control, but it's still like people who drink make me very uncomfortable, especially in family relations yeah. and stuff. You know? Yeah, no, I, I hear that. And I was just at something
1: that, I'm drawing a blank of what it was, but it was a similar scenario. Not a two-day thing, but it was like people, family, mm-hmm. drinking... And, uh, yeah, it's uncomfortable. And, you know, it's one of those things that you just, you're going to be probably feeling a little uncomfortable. Not only that, you get annoyed by the drunk people. And, um, and so to go in with a strategy, even though, you know, you're not going to fall for it. But like for me going into one of those scenarios with some kind of plan, one thing I would do like with my wife or you do this with Aaron, just say ahead of time. And somehow this always worked for me when I was struggling, mm-hmm. even if I didn't have to use the escape plan, just mm-hmm. having the conversation with my wife, you know, okay, you know, if, if I am uncomfortable and I wouldn't say to her, Oh, if I'm, if I want to drink because right. to make it easy for myself to just, you know, say, if I'm feeling uncomfortable, you know, here's the code word, I'll give you this signal and you leave with me like, and we'll go walk away from the situation yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. You can say, Oh, I have to talk to you or whatever it is. Right. But you have that plan in the back of your pocket. And, um, I don't know that helped for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I love these people very dearly, you know, for, I've known them for, you know, 30 years and they're great. They're great. People, But it's just like our interests may have diverged to some degree. Yeah, <laughs> You know what I mean? I would set the precedent early. That's yeah. always works for they, me. They know. They, somehow oh, they, they know. And I don't ever recall telling them, but somehow they know. they probably listen to the podcast. Then I'm going to get in trouble. One,
1: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> One trick that I've been using that has worked for me in restaurants or going out, at the first offer of a drink from mm-hmm. either a waiter or a person is, um, I say, Nothing alcoholic, please. Right. Um, And usually someone will overhear me saying that to the waiter and they may say, oh, you don't drink. Right. And just setting that precedent early usually makes it okay for the rest of the night. It's not going to stop you from being annoyed by drunk relatives. Right. But um, as far as just not being harassed about
0: why you're not drinking. Yeah. I I don't anticipate any of that. Nobody's going to be like, why are you not drinking? I'm going to bring up a bunch of kombucha, which I know no one else will drink. Right. And um, some root beers and some stuff. Uh, it'll be fine. And yeah, and usually, as you found, like with uh, when you visited for that
1: work conference, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd be surprised how many people are curious, yes, or had the same experience, right. or just are like want to talk to you about it, right? And um, maybe it's an opportunity to just meet another sober relative, yeah. or
0: are jealous. You um, know. There's some some of that. You know, sometimes I think people may have wanted to stop. And yeah. have not or have not been able to, but
1: yeah, we had a pretty um, uncomfortable situation. Um, I'm just remembering we went to visit my aunt in law. And um, did I already talk about this? She like is just got so wasted oh, the day yeah. we went to the beach. Right. Um oh god, I just feel so bad for her. She's yeah. she's really a great person, but she's kinda of, she's alone. Um and she has she's just you know, she was dr- She couldn't stand up. She fell down on the beach when the end of the day came. Yeesh. um Now, she has, um, had leg surgery a while ago, so. <laughs> Maybe that's why she fell down. Yeah, she doesn't usually <laughs> fall down like that, but like, okay. we had to walk her back up to the, her room, and um, it was really uncomfortable, uh, yeah. and I had to sort of, you know, tell my kids, they're like, what's wrong with the, aunt?" so and so, and, um, you know, I said, ah, she just had a little too much drink. Don't, uh, don't worry about it, but, it was scary to see someone you love in that situation, especially being alone. Um, you know, and she she lives with her daughter who struggles with the same problems. Oh, really? Yeah. So they're together, and it's just, I just, I don't know what to do. What do I say? You know, she's mm-hmm. like the the third wife of my late uncle. So, um, so Got her fa- like yeah. we're not super close with her family. I mean, we are kind of, but I mean, I guess we are with some of them, but. Is is it really our place? And we were saying, like, mm. what are we supposed to do? Like how can we help? Should we call, you know, her brother and say, Hey, you know, I think we have a problem or maybe I'm overstating it. Maybe maybe she just got started early and it's not such a big deal, yeah. you know. I don't know.
0: It just it's it's just
1: sad for me. It is. You
0: know. you know, but you know from experience that people take exactly zero advice that they don't ask for typically, so Right. You know, you know. What can you do really except be available? Yeah. You know? Yeah, you let it be known that you have some experience in the area and are available for yeah. a discussion if one needs to. She knows take all place.
1: Of, she knows all about my struggles. There you she go. was close to the family when it. I went through everything and I've been candid with her
0: and Sometimes you have to let people uh come to their own realizations.
1: Yeah, what I worry about is she's on pain medication for her. Uh, her surgeries and her pain, mm. which is legitimate. I mean, it was some bad accidents that, um, um, but I know that she also smokes marijuana or cannabis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that she was drinking. You add to that being out in the sun. Right. And I mean, it's a recipe for disaster and the flight of stairs, she has to walk up to get to her townhouse apartment or whatever. She doesn't drive. Uh, she does. does, she? does. Yeah. I don't know. But you know, we are hearing things like, Oh, you know, where's your car? Oh, I got an Fender Bender. And you're like, oh. <laughs> I see. And so we're sort of hearing yeah. second and third hand that. I know, that's know, a
0: tough situation. Ugh.
1: I just I don't know what to do. But yeah, these are these situations we all come across when once we stop drinking and using
0: drugs, you see it more. You do. You know, you you're much more conscious notice. of it. Yep.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, you're, do you, what's your plan? Because you're going to Greece in a couple of days, aren't you? you Got to stay away from that ouzo and those bazookies. Oy vey, yeah. So, oy, vey. Um, oy
1: vey. <laughs> So, uh, I'm going to Greece to visit my wife's family. Now, my family uh, right by marriage. Um, and this has been a point of real anxiety for us to travel to Greece. Um, you know, taking ten days off of this new job that is so like. Intense. So you're going for like the full
0: two. Weeks? Ten days. Ten days. So, fri- so you're missing ten days of work? I'm missing,
1: it'll be Friday, you know, the next week, and right. then Monday. Okay. So it's really seven days. Yeah. It's, it's not the worst, and Friday, Monday are slow, but, you know, um, it's stressful, you know, to go on this trip, and we just learned that my mother-in-law, who wasn't supposed to be staying with us, like I think at all. You know, because some of our relatives, you know, contracted COVID Mm. uh, and then can't, you know, so she can't stay there. So now it turns out (laughs) she will be with us for like the full 10 days. Uh, I think maybe one or two not. But we're both extremely because she's.
0: (laughs) Nothing says summer vacation than having your uh, (laughs) mother-in-law living with you in the hotel. It's
1: like, you know, and my wife is stressed out about it. And I said, look, you know, we're going. It's her mother though, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, she's like my father. She's a lot like my father. Very overbearing, mm-hmm. corrective. You know, I um, see. Don't forget, you know, make sure you put pants on the kids when that you get would on drive the plane. Me fucking crazy. And we're like, you. have been, you know, she's like, I've been a mother for twelve years. You don't think I know to put pants on my son? Yeah, that's going to be cold. Like those corrections that your parents give you. Oh, like my Christine. dad does that. It just makes yeah. And um, <laughs> and I said, well, look, you know, are we going? Yes or no? Yes. Is there an option to not go? No. Okay. So this is what we're going to (laughs) do. We're going to make the most of it. Right. You know, maybe she can watch the kids. And I said, but like, that's all we can do, you know? And to think of it from the perspective of, this is really.
0: Tell me you guys got like two rooms at
1: least. I don't think so. We're staying in cousin Penny's house. Oh, Athens. All right. Uh, Yeah. So it's at like a relative's place. Okay. Um, That's cheap. Yeah, exactly. It's one of the only reasons <laughs> we're going. Yeah, uh, and then we're headed to Corfu to visit other cousins. And is
0: that like tofu? It's just like tofu. Except it's a white town with better gyros, mm-hmm. gyros, gyros, right? Um, yeah. So I said gyro when I talked to you on Siri the other day. Yeah, and it pre- read it back to me as gyro. Gyro. I'm like, oh, that's weird. Greek Siri. <laughs> it's Greek Siri.
1: <laughs> it's just it'll be fun. I'm gonna be, and this is one of the reasons we definitely wanted to get a show out. Um, we'll get, I'll be back in 10 days. You
0: should call from Greece when you're about ready to kill your mother-in-law. We can do another show. I'll I bet do it. bet that it would be crackling with energy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, I got my phone set up. I'll be able to, you know... You What's know, the time difference? Five hours. Which way? Uh, I think it's ahead. Okay. Yeah. When it's five... Right, it's uh, five hours ahead. So as far as the drinking and the ouzo, mm-hmm. I don't know how much my Greek relatives know about how I don't drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going to just, you know, hopefully... My mother in law, she speaks fluent Greek. Maybe she kind of uh, like tells them in some no in certain terms. But really, I'm going to
0: have to just be that guy. My son is, my son in law is a drunk. Don't yeah. offer him any yeah, Uzo. He's, he's a
1: drunk.
0: Um <laughs> Give him one sip of that stuff, he'll be outscored. Kraken Mykonos.
1: <laughs> Do they have Kraken? I don't know. I'm just going to have to be, you know, sturdy and stick to my guns and not be afraid to offend them. You know? Right. And I'll do it just like I told you on the first drink. You offend them f- on the first drink. <laughs> offend them on the first drink. Yet Get it out, or in Greek it's oh he. Oh he. Oh he. Motherfucker. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um Yeah. So Oh he means No. Just no. Yeah. So ne is yes. That seems ne, backwards. It is. It is. <laughs> and if you want water, you say thelo nero paracolo. How do you speak Greek? Oh, well, I tried to learn how to do it. <laughs> and then I, I learned some stuff when I went to Greece. Are Greek. you good with languages? Si, senor. <laughs> okay, that just tells me you watch Sesame Street. Uh, oui, monsieur. Okay. How many other languages? Yeah, I like, I'm a bit of a linguist, and some might say a cunning, cunning linguist. Uh, that's that's the low hanging fruit, that joke low-hanging fruit yes, but in yes. any case it's going to be fun I'm going to put up my defenses and I'm just going to try and enjoy it you know I'm going to be there let's enjoy it I'm right. not going to stress I mean I am but I'm going really to really could be worse could be I mean, worse it could be a you lot worse you could be
0: living with your mother-in-law full-time at home Yes, that would be, I don't want to say horrible, but it would
1: drive my wife nuts, in turn, would drive all of us nuts. Yes. Uh, so, that's... a vacation.
0: Enjoy yourself. Go look at the Pantheon and the Parthenon the and the Pantheon the pa- whatever we'll else. We'll go see the
1: Patreon.
0: The Patreon. Um, so, if we have any <laughs> Greek monsters in
1: Corfu or Athens, let me know. Yes. I will... Uh, Wave to you as I drive by on a moped.
0: Offer, oh uh, offer oh Nat, a Shirley Temple. or <laughs> you say that in Greek.
1: Hey, did um, did you have a strange experience with a bear museum?
0: Oh, or are you shit. not talking
1: about no, that? No, I'll talk about that.
0: Yeah. yeah, Aaron almost got killed by a bear
1: in Yellowstone. Did you hear? I heard that your <laughs> wife had a run-in with some, uh,
0: <laughs> some stuffed bears that didn't go well. So, yeah, I was all here sitting here talking about what a great time we had. And I forgot the fact that my wife almost died. Yeah, such um, a great time. She, uh, so we had a, sort of a free morning we didn't know what to do with. And right across from our hotel was the Bear and Wolf uh, Wildlife Center where they have rescued bears. And um, bears that can no longer live in Yellowstone Park uh, are sent there. Like naughty bears and <laughs> well, uh, it's like rehab or it's like, it 's like they have to remove them from the environment because they 've gotten too accustomed to human food and human interaction, and they you know they can kill you right and in yeah. fact, many people have been eaten by bears but uh funny story before I tell you what happened with my wife um i'm in there this is before what went down went down, and they're telling the story about how this one bear ended up there, and apparently this one bear um They'd given him five different chances to not raid picnic baskets. Like He was like the most aggressive yogi bear in the history of bears. And the the straw that broke the camel's back was July 4th weekend. He went into a campsite in Yellowstone, went into somebody's cooler, Mm. drank a case and a half of Budweiser, Mm. and then passed out on an occupied car. (laughs) That's amazing. So they said, okay, that's fifth strike, he's out. And they took him off to... um, to the bear sanctuary. They should have sent him to rehab at least. Give him
1: another chance.
0: I thought that was hilarious. So like, well, the bear knows what he likes, you know, and, and if they didn't grab him then he would have been drinking, he, he would have ended up having to go to AA or something because he would have just gone cooler after cooler. <laughs> um, so my wife walks into the place and um, she's historically has had allergies to like cats and some dogs. So she gets in there and we have to walk through this big, Area where there's all these taxidermy bears and stuff that have been stuffed over the years, and then she gets right, right out next to the bear enclosure, and she has an allergy attack, like an anaphylactic reaction to the animals, and she's sneezing and sneezing, and she's like, "I got to go to the car," and I'm like, "All right, I'll, you know, I'll hang out with the kids and let me know how you are in a few minutes." And I, I text her, I'm like, "Everything okay?" And she's like, she's like, she sends this picture of her face. And it's like two times normal size. And I'm like, Oh fuck. So I run out of there. Wow. I drive and I get her some Benadryl and she's like, I'm, I'll fall asleep. If I take this, I'm like, you're going to die. If you don't just take it. And, um, and then she's like, and I'm like, look, uh, there's no way we're going to a clinic. So I yeah. had to find a clinic in the town of West Yellowstone, It's population one thousand people. Um, was it close, or do you have to drive like two hours? Uh, the hospital where they, the lady at the supermarket wanted me to go, is forty eight miles away. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, I'm not leaving the kids at the bear enclosure while I take. <laughs> 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 so the clinic was right down the block. So I took her to the clinic. They take her in there, they hook her up to an IV, they give her steroids, they give her like antihistamines. They're going to they're thinking about helicoptering her over to the helicopter wow. b- to the hospital because they don't know if it's going to get any worse. And I'm <laughs> sitting there, I'm like, "Oh, man, I can't be- I thought our vacation was done right then and there." Yeah. But um that's crazy. B- but it didn't end up getting worse. It got better with the steroids and with the uh with the medication and and um she was like uh you know, let me call over to the pharmacy and see if there's an epi pen there and we that we can we can give you. And they didn't the pharmacist didn't have one and he was really weird anyway. Like yeah. she was in there the day before <laughs> looking for something else and and the, the PA was like, Have you met that pharmacist? He's a little off, you Sorry. know? Like <laughs> kind of fucking <laughs> makes think, you, so are you running around here. Makes you so they found an epi pen at the clinic and just slipped it to us and we're like, Here, just take it. Wow. And I was like, That's the nicest thing like you know they wouldn't do that in new york no, you know never. in fact yeah
1: i w- I walked into a, a cvs one time i was having an asthma attack and i didn't have my inhaler and i had to beg and they they wouldn't give it to me <laughs> you should go to a hospital i'm like you don't have one so yeah they're bastards but yeah. was aaron ever allergic like did you have any indication that
0: she was allergic to animals does she have well yeah she allergy? had like she has a cat allergy but yeah
1: like christine
0: but i mean we don't have there are no bears right here. We never would have had a chance to see if she was allergic to a bear before. When would you learn? (laughs) Right. right? I mean, uh, so apparently she's allergic to bears, so we're not going to be getting any bears anytime soon for the house. Well, I'm glad that she survived. And when I heard that, I, my jaw dropped. I couldn't believe it either. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, kudos to the uh, West Yellowstone medical clinic. Uh, they did a fantastic job, uh, the PA in there was uh, it was a PA, not a physician, but she was amazing. So, well, I'm glad you
1: survived. Um, and talking about animals, it just it made me think about when I go to Greece. And uh, some of you out there with pets, um, I'm sure you've experienced this. Who's taking care of my cat and two lizards? Who? Um, luckily, I have a neighbor coming to feed it, but I feel bad because if you've ever fed a lizard, it's disgusting. Eh. Do you have a kid worms. doing it, or is it an, an no, adult? No, it's an adult. It's Brendan. Oh, you know, you should have Kai do it. He did us. He did our lizards. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Well, he's going to be there feeding the cat anyway. Yeah. So, so um uh, You know, animals are basically running our lives. It's true.
0: And um, the the I had to drop the dogs off for a week, and that cost me more than. Uh, yes. a <laughs> huge chunk of the vacation. It's, it's ridiculous. It's unbelievable. Yeah. In other news, yes, yeah, I've it's...
1: been reading um, The Chronicles of Narnia, Lying the Witch in the Wardrobe to my son, Max, who's eight. Ah. And he's a real lover of reading. And... Man, I'm just having so much fun reading that book. I like, I put on a, the best show I can. I do the voices. I read the whole thing in a British accent. Oh my God, that sounds exhausting. Oh, I love it. You know, I'm like <laughs> as excited to read as, as he is, you know, and I'm like, let's go. We're doing Narnia.
0: That is excellent.
1: And uh, he's having such a great time. I'm really enjoying that. That is fantastic. Um, were you also watching inappropriate cartoons with your other son? Yeah, speaking of, um, you know, there's, <laughs> my kids are so different. With Max, it's you know, reading The Chronicles of Narnia, you know. With my older son, one of the ways we've been bonding is we watch these horrible cartoons, one of which is, you know, Rick and Morty, which if any of you have seen that, you're probably, you know, mouth agape in horror seeing that. But, like, he's a more mature kid with that stuff. He's not so naive, and he gets the jokes, but, like... I feel awful afterwards. I think about. It. I'm like, am I warping my son? Like, this no. stuff is so like crass. That they don't under,
0: he doesn't understand it on that level. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. But you it's know. like The Simpsons. You, you you watch it on two different yeah. levels, right? Or or Family Guy. Well, Family Guy really. There's only one level. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things. I mean, did you let your kids, you
1: know, watch rated R movies at 10 or 11 years old? Like, do you let Ben
0: do that? <laughs> You know, it's very hard to police what's going on right. in TikTok and stuff. He knows more than, I mean, an R-rated movie is almost like an anachronism now, right? Because you can get more sex and violence in 30 seconds on a, by watching like 10 TikTok videos than you can watching a whole, yeah. you know, R-rated movie. It's very hard to police it. All I can, and and I can't, I can't be like... You can't watch TikTok because they'll always find a way to watch. Yeah. You know, all I can say I is, if fairness. you have questions about anything that you're seeing, or you know, there's something that bothers you, you know, bring it to me and we'll talk about it. And um, yeah, and I feel empowered. You know, uh, some parents will say, "Oh, I have that
1: band in the house. I would never let them do this or that, or watch this or that." Yeah. And to me, it's empowering to be able to sit with my son to watch these things I don't want him to watch, but I'm there mm-hmm. and I can explain things if I need to or you know, sort of guide the process because these things are not that bad curse words. So what, you know what I mean? But it's sort of, you know, it's one of those things. The violence worries me sometimes, but I don't know. He's got such a good head on his shoulders. I feel okay about it, but sometimes
0: I, I doubt myself, but maybe I shouldn't. I think parenting these days is completely different than it was even 10 years ago. The way they're getting information has changed. So, so radically in 10 years.
1: Yeah, and it's amazing how different, and it might be different for Max. My kids are so different. Like Noah is totally—he's anti- athletic, but he hates sports. He'll—he doesn't mm-hmm. want to play except skateboarding. We've been skateboarding a nice. lot. Right? That's, what, that's, that's the thing. fun. Now Max loves to read, loves school, or does really well at school. And he just started going to jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jujitsu. jitsu Yeah. How is that place? It's amazing. It's the place not in town, but in Sao Oh, right. It. That's right. It's apparently people travel from like Queens, which is pretty far away, to travel to for jiu-jitsu. And uh, the um, the coach or the sensei, they call him the professor. <laughs> uh, and he's this Brazilian guy with a great Professor actor. of
0: ascus yeah. kicking. <laughs>
1: And he's awesome, though. The way he works is with those kids, and Max loves it. And he loves, thr- and especially after watching wrestling, this is like, yeah, you know, he loves it. And what I forgot to realize, what I didn't realize, was actually in my family, on the the roper side of the family, uh, they are judo champions and, like, My uh, my cousin Millard is actually has his own Brazilian Jiu Jitsu studio. Yes, he does. Uh, Yeah, and so I was like, oh wow, like maybe this is in his blood, you know? And uh, it just makes me feel so good when I see one of my kids finding something they're interested in, something that they really you could tell they want to practice. You know, and that's how I know I found something good. Yeah. And the kid starts doing it without me prompting yes, him. That's the best. And Max has just been like, can we go to, because you can go any day of the week mm-hmm. once you're like a member. And he goes like three times a week. Good for him. He loves man. it. And thank God my wife is willing to drive him, you know. <laughs> but um yeah, that's been so great. So anybody out there, I don't know if. Brazilian jiu-jitsu is all over. I think it is because of it's mixed all martial over. arts. Yeah. And highly recommend for a, an eight-year-old even. I'm I sure. want to take it. Yeah, me yeah. too, but I'm, I'd get hurt. Yeah, I'm a little nervous. I'm not coordinated. You know, I got spinal stenosis. Yeah, I got bulging a bad shoulder. I
0: just, it would hurt. Did I say just bulging dicks? You have bul- discs. Bul-
1: bulging dicks. I do have a bulging dick. But, um, <laughs> bulging discs. Um So, I think we're coming to the end of our... um, Can I just ask you about something I see on here? Uh, Am I Jewish? Oh, (laughs) this is funny. All right. Am I Jewish? Why do I say this? Um, (laughs) Why do I say this? Why do I say this? I I was talking to the owner of my company, um, and I forget... We were talking about the dynamic in the workplace, as far as like the nationality mix mm-hmm. of the people there, and I said, you know, probably they're all thinking the same thing. He said, "What's that?" He said, that "The company's run by two Jewish guys." Uh, and then he looked at me and he goes, "I didn't know you identify as Jewish." <laughs> and I said, "Well, my mother was Jewish, you know, Jewish law." Well, and, then you are, and Jewish. you're Jewish. He goes, "Yeah, but you identify as Jewish." I said, "Well, yeah, I mean." If Hitler were alive today, I would be on the list. You know what I mean? Like that's I'm <laughs> is that Jew. the litmus test for me? It is. <laughs> you know, like well, it's one of the things. You know, but I really and it made me really think. I've never been asked that. Do you identify as Jewish? It's such a strange question. Mm. But when I I answered very quickly, I said, "Oh," and I said, "Yeah, I'm like a Jew for Jesus." Like my grandfather, my uh, my father's father was went to the Jews for Jesus Church, which is something that they have. really. And it's, what it means basically is culturally and historically, you know, I identify with, you know, my ancestors and, you know, um, my great-grandfather came over from, you know, Odessa, Ukraine to flee, to flee Russia uh, because he was Jewish. Mm. Not only that, they spoke Yiddish in the house. So mm. even if I was raised under like a guise of, you know, Protestant culture Really, you know, I had so many Jewish relatives. I had a Hebrew name that my grandfather gave me. Nachas. Nachus, Yes. <laughs> and uh, he never called me by my regular name. Mm. My entire life, it was Nachas. And uh, we celebrated this and that. You know, we did some Hanukkah, some Passover. But I really, like, always felt at home at a Passover Seder. Huh. Even though, as some of you may know, I'm a Presbyterian deacon and I teach Sunday school, but to me, they're not, uh, the two aren't mutually exclusive. No. Um, Were you bar mitzvahed? I. The short answer is yes, but not the way you think. Uh, I had a bar mitzvah okay. at a mitzvah I, tank by the Lubavitches oh, yes, worked yes, on yes, Wall Street. Oh, yes, yes, right. I think,
0: we, yeah, but we, that we was, talked about this. That yeah. was
1: a legitimate bar mitzvah. Sure. They wrapped the thing around me and he said the prayers right. and, and I was bar mitzvah, you know? Uh, But I do identify that way. I I don't know. It's like I'm neurotic. Um, (laughs) I'm lactose intolerant. Uh, What else? I love bagels and uh, smoked salmon. (laughs) Get filtered fish sounds good to me. You know, I like a good pastrami sandwich. And Woody Allen, I think, is one of the funniest comedy writers of all time. So it was just this funny, like, little thing that came up. Interesting. Identify as Jewish. And it's using that language that we use today with, like, gender identity. Yeah. You know, like... It's sort of interesting. I never thought of
0: it that way. But. So if I identify, so can I identify as Jewish? Also, if you feel Jewish, I, I have to tell you because I was adopted and I really didn't know my heritage. I went out and I did the twenty three and Me. Yeah, right? you're not Jewish, and Jew- I was no. really hoping I was Jewish. Really? Yes, yes. <laughs> I was like, I'm so, I, so, I'm so into the culture and the food and the jokes. Yeah, you know? yeah, the comedy, the comedy, um, the comedy is what gets it. But I was, I was crushed to find out. That I'm so sorry. Absolutely
1: zero. Well, being Jewish, I can. I'll make a star of David. Yeah, here. you know what, though, uh, you can join the tribe. Yeah. I actually said, "Welcome to the tribe." When he's like, <laughs> what? He, oh,
0: and he in the he, mitzvah tank.
1: No, for the um, when I was talking to my boss. Oh, oh, oh! It was great, and he like gave me a hug. He's like, "I didn't know that." I'm like, "Look at this," and, and <laughs> I didn't think of it as strange. It all felt quite normal. I'm like, "Yeah, man," like, yeah. we're in this together," you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh but it that's was, great man that's a great story I don't know it's yeah. like
1: it's this lost sense of belonging I never had because they you know I knew that there was something strange growing up like why are we celebrating Hanukkah with this our family in Houston mm-hmm. and I'm going to church and how come I'm not allowed to to take communion yeah you know because my mom was still not converted by the time I was like 10 oh, 11 12 really so when the um when the communion tray would go around at church, you know, I was told to refuse it. Hmm. And so it was, and then... That must know, have been very confusing as it a It was. You know. And so now that it's all out in the open and I sort of understand, you know, where it all came from, I feel better about it because it doesn't mean I don't, um, I'm not a Christian. It just means that culturally and heritage wise, you know, um, it's in my blood, you know. And yeah. um, it's just—it uh, was interesting to sort of validate it that way. That is, and so there you have it, Mazel tov. I <laughs> got <Back> you. <laughs> um, and, and I think uh, it yeah. is time. Um, why don't we take a short break? Let's we'll do. Gather our thoughts, and we'll be right back after these words.
0: <laughs> And we're back. Hi. (laughs) I would like to begin the segment by playing a short clip from one of my favorite movies from the 1980s that sort of flew under the radar. I don't know. if Have you ever heard of the movie Repo Man? Yes. Yeah. I watched it as a kid. Did you? And I wasn't supposed to watch it. Right. Yes. Great movie. I do remember. Hopefully I'm still connected to the board. Let's see.
1: A lot of people
2: don't realize what's really going on. They view life as a bunch of unconnected
1: incidents and things. They don't realize that there's this, like, lattice of coincidence that lays on top of everything. I'll give you an example, show you what I mean. Suppose you're thinking about a plate of shrimp. Suddenly somebody will say, like, plate, or
2: shrimp, or plate of shrimp, out of the blue. No explanation. No point in looking for one, either. It's all part of a cosmic unconsciousness.
1: Hmm. You eat a lot of acid, Miller? (laughs) <laughs>
2: she made a lot of
0: answers. What a... I highly recommend that movie to anyone that's not seen it. That was very apropos. It was. So what we're talking about today is whether things happen for a reason, which really, when you crystallize that, when you broaden that question, when you pull out, as it were... we get to pull out in time. <laughs> Yeah. The question becomes, is there purpose in the universe, right? Mm, purpose, meaning what? Like, is Does there, the universe have a purpose? Does the universe, is it, it, well, has everything already happened? Is everything preordained? Is there a plan? Is there a God? Hmm. What is the nature of existence? Now, that is really the topic of today's conversation. What is the nature of anyway. existence?
1: This is something I've been thinking about for a long time. And it comes up to me... When I started to get annoyed, when I would hear, and please don't get offended if you've done this, um, somebody will say after they survive their addiction, they'll say, you know, were it not for God, mm. or God saved me uh, from this, mm. saved my life, you know, without God, I wouldn't be here. And at, on first glance, the first time you hear that, you say, oh, that's like a great thing to say. It's being humble, it's giving up to the creator. But really, for me, what it does is, what does that say about the people who didn't make it?
0: Yeah. Is that also God's plan?
1: Right. And the thing is, I realized, I was doing the logic in my head. I'm like, I don't believe that God goes around giving people cancer. I don't believe that God goes around overdosing people and saying, that guy gets a hot dose, that guy is okay. Yeah, You know, this one, he's going to be great because I've got plans for him. It doesn't make sense with... The God of my understanding, or mm. the universe, or even if we have an intelligent, sentient universe, you know, um, it, it's not something that makes sense to me. But that also, once I came to that conclusion, I said, well, okay, but I believe in God. Mm. And so I had to ask myself um, if I do believe in this God or this intelligent universe, how does. Um, you know, how does it fit in to your daily life? And, you know, is it really God saving me from things or what to say when, you know, and and they use it too. Like if, if somebody has a horrible tragedy, Oh God has a plan it happened for a reason. Um, and I just don't like that. Um, I think
0: it's lazy. Yes. Um, you know, some, some people would say that we don't, have the capacity to understand the way that God makes things happen in the world. And what seems like random cruelty is, is really part of some larger divine plan. But I think that's a little bit of a cop out personally, because um, I mean, I don't, I also believe that something created the universe, something set, set the wheel into motion. You're a deist. Yes, I'm a deist. deist Like like our, they set the clock and leave uh, it there. Well, like like our founding fathers were deists, really. Mm. That's what they believed in. Um, Not to get weirdly patriotic (laughs) things, (laughs) but um, well, I mean, it just makes sense. I mean, science can answer the how, but it can't really answer the why. So you know, if you're accepting that there's some force that created the universe, then you have to sort of question, like, well. Is it a sentient force, and if it is, is that sentience um, everybody together contributing to yeah. that sentience, or and I'm probably pronouncing sentience wrong since I've only read it in books. Sentience, sentience, sentience. sentience? sentience yeah. um, or is it, you know, Papa Sky God, which I I, I tend to disbelieve. Um, I, I don't I, like you. I don't think there's somebody up there. Uh, I don't think if you pray. That the for the Yankees to win the World Series, God's going to be like, yeah, fuck the Red Sox this year, you know. I I just don't think it works that way.
1: Um, no, it doesn't. But it, it's also, but it's the the reason this is you know tricky is because this is a widely held belief, not only m- most people you meet in uh, in recovery, but at the church that I go to, um, you know, mm-hmm. the religion that um, I sort of that I practice, and so I'm kind of feeling like I'm at odds with some of the things I'm just supposed to accept. Um, but I, you know, so I'm struggling with it because the bottom line is I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anybody who says they know for sure is lying to you or selling you something because nobody knows. Um, we can just sort of infer from, you know, the things we observe basically. Yeah. Um, and so I put the question uh, to the mongsters and I did the monster speak segment uh, for right now.
0: What the they have up to? Let's take a peek. The segment we call monsters Speak. 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 so That's the old one. Never that's mind. Old, that's in
1: the cr- but every time I have a big question, I put it to the Verse, and I always get good answers. Now, the, I posted it first on the Inner Sanctum at patreon.com slash recovery in the middle, middle recovery in the middle ages, where we have the online discussion forum, which is you know we're on there all the time, and I put the questions out there first. Yeah. And so I said, Monksters, I've been thinking about this a bit. Does everything happen for a reason, or do things just happen, and then we assign meaning for that uh, that makes us more comfortable?"
0: Can can I just say that yeah. in that question right there, yes. in that statement, or do things just happen and we assign the best meaning we can come up with? Yeah, is basically the the kernel of of Carl Jung's. Um, approach to synchronicity where these things mm. happen externally and depending on what frequency we're tuned into you know a, a, a synchronous event will either have meaning or it will not right? right like you can notice something and if and and it can jibe with something else that's going on in your life but if that has no internal meaning to you it won't even register right and jung actually came up with the term synchronicity Oh, he did. It did not exist before that. He has but anyway. The collective unconscious. I just, when I read your sentence there, I was like, wow, that's really interesting because that's exactly what what Young would say, that, that we're would, assigning the yeah. meaning based on our own personal experience.
1: Right, does that make you it know? any less valid? I mean, well, a, I don't know. That's a Perception different question. Perception is reality. So,
0: um,
1: so the first monkster in the inner sanctum to answer was G-Money Smooth,
0: the editor-at-large of the RMA Newsroom. Yes, who's on hiatus. He is. But but, uh, SoberLiningsPlaybook.com for all your news that you can use (laughs) for uh, recovery topics. Um, Whatever you choose. He
1: says, I say we do our best to make sense of the world and assign reason to the stuff that happens in order to make meaning of it. Who is it? With my drinking, I altered the trajectory of my career, brought my marriage to the brink, and ended up on an involuntary psych hold. I might have smacked anyone who said it all happened for a reason. <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, I've experienced a lot of positive change and growth that would not have happened otherwise. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: but yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, if you, yeah, that's we agree. Go tell somebody who's like you know suffering that. This is all part of a bigger plan. Oh,
1: my mother would say that to me when I was like in the middle of all of the shit I was going through. I had no car. I was going to probation. Mm -hmm. I was being like, it was a nightmare. And I was, you know, just kind of talking about it. She goes, oh, well... Maybe it's for the best, and I'm like, no, it's, it's <laughs> definitely not the best. That, you know, and any time I would argue with whether or argue with the wisdom of the punishments I was being given, it was a you're not taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. I'm like, maybe I just think that the punishment isn't fitting the crime here. I
0: mean, is that okay? Can I feel that way? <laughs> Do right? we need all need to go through the trials of Job before <laughs> we come out on the other side? Um, I don't know. Amanda C says. I never believed this. I believe that a lot of shit just happens, and I've always found it kind of off-putting and dismissive when something bad happens and someone says this. Mm. Yeah, I'm kind of more on that
1: side of things. I don't like to throw cold water on people's sentiments when they say that, though. I'm not trying to do that. But you know what?
0: But people who believe that certain things in their lives happen for a reason have a reason to believe that, right? There's There's something going on inside their own heads, right? Because they're taking a lesson. They're using... If you say that about something that, that you are personally going through, it's not as judgmental as if you say it to somebody else. Because right. you are trying to extract whatever meaning you can out of that. Now, whether that's based on, you know, your religious belief, um, you know, which may be, you know, which may be extremely personal to you. And it may, you may really see the world that way. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be able to find meaning in that suffering. Right. Right. Yeah. And but you- if I tell that to somebody else and, and, and they don't have any. They don't believe in that kind of a universe. They're just gonna be like, "Fuck you!" Right,
1: exactly. You get to <laughs> And rightly it. so. And uh, with yeah. good meaning, I'm sure. Queen Elizabeth the First of Munsterhaven <laughs> says, "Nat, I've always wondered this. I agree with the man to see that it is dismissive, especially when death is involved. But some things, like terrible breakup with an ex that almost led to sui- led me to suicide." Um, well, that led to a better life, although I sure uh, couldn't see it then. Interesting to see what other monsters think. Mm. Um, yeah, I, uh, that's that's definitely um, you know you always see things differently from the other side, you know, and that's part of what we're doing, right? Making meaning of all the chaos that my life has been, and drawing connecting dots. You know, it might make me feel better, but it does not point. To um, a master planner, going, okay, now he's going to get a DWI. Now his wife is going to kick him out, but in two weeks he'll come back and that will be the lesson. Well,
0: okay, so it's very easy to sit from because, you know, the, the devil's advocate view would be, well, Nat, if you hadn't gone through all of that stuff and you hadn't gotten sober and you had, you wouldn't have gotten right. your family back and you would not be now sitting in this basement right. talking and helping people thousands of people with this podcast Mm -hmm. so it was all for the best in the end but it's very easy to look to turn around and look behind you and see make up connections for random things that seem like a stepping stone to the present time but in reality maybe it was just chaos you know (laughs) You know, and that's kind of
1: what science says, I think. and uh, Well, we'll get into well, that later. Well, science, yeah, science yeah. is
0: kind of interesting in terms of quantum entanglement uh, and stuff we like get that. Down to that level, right? Spooky action. Isn't it and all distance. on that level, though? Isn't everything we do on that level? Mm-hmm. It's all atoms swirling around the world. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm, Hope baby. says uh, I've said many times that things happen for a reason, but it's usually due to hearing bad news.
1: Um, the, oh, I'm
0: sorry. I missed one. The I, great <laughs> wizard. Of Haven,
1: Alan B. He says, I'm in the everything happens camp. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if it seems important enough, I'll try to reason it out. See what I did there? It's like the Frank Sinatra song. That's life. That's what people say. Okay. Always
0: the wisdom. So that's, you know, it happens. It happens. Shit happens. Shit does happen. It happens. And maybe there is no gr- no reason for it happening.
1: And in the, the comment Hope made, um, things happen for a reason, but it's usually due to hearing bad news. Yes, this is the tool that we use. This is, you know, um, and as we, we're going to talk about any uh, article that we're, uh, we brought on for this one, it's, it's just um, it's um, when things happen, it's a survival mechanism. It is evolutionary mm-hmm. in that you need to soothe yourself and that we have this need deep down inside to connect Dots to make meaning because yes, you know it's it's the dopamine it makes you feel better, um, but it doesn't just it doesn't follow logic uh, necessarily. Um, yeah, Lisa hmm. K says things just happen. How we respond to them gives reason. Okay, um, that's young Ian. I like that. Yeah, Kathy H says everything happens for a reason. I don't waste time trying to figure out the reason. I just have faith. That's the other side. Right. Right. Just have faith. Um, that's a tricky one because I'm at odds with myself here. I believe in having faith, um, but how can you have faith
0: if you don't believe there is a plan or a reason? What am I having faith in? I don't know. I, all I, there's 4,000 different gods. Yeah. Uh, I would be, it would be an incredible amount of hubris to believe that yours has all the answers um, and that yours is the only one. Or it's the same God by many names. Yes, Aha. but not
1: everybody goes for that they don't <laughs> um kathy h uh says everything happens for a reason i just well, read, just read, that, read one. that one the prodigal monkster rhina j says everything doesn't happen for a reason i've always thought that was the most ludicrous comment ever the only people i saw post meme saying that were like middle-aged white ladies lmao <laughs> and i take exception to that because those are my favorite people in our audience. <laughs> uh, but uh, thank you, Rhina. I hope you're doing well. Rhina sounds like a materialist. Um, and finally, we have an appearance by the famous, the lovely and talented Misty, the recovery fairy. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's been hanging out um on the boards, she says, "Listening to Bill Marshall's book about this." So, uh, I want to know more about Who's Bill, Bill Marshall, Marshall or, and yeah. what is his book.
0: Now, Misty, you can't just
1: leave us hanging like that, Misty. If you're listening, um, tell us more about this Bill Marshall, and um, I'd love to hear. And it's so glad to see you uh, listening and um, and hanging out with us. Um, yeah, so you know, like clearly, it seems like most of our audiences sort of falls along the same lines as like it's like one of those things we say. Um, because it's sort of part of our cultural dialogue. Yeah. You know, it's a common thing. But it's one of the, you, when you think about it and you try and apply it to your own life and your experiences, not so, um, I don't know.
0: I, I mean, don't. there are these weird moments where I, you know, I kind of vacillate back and forth between wondering exactly what, you know, this this idea that there's some sort of synchronicity in the universe that and that things pop up when you need them or answers will bubble up out of somewhere i mean i i just the example that really hit me in the head you know i cuz I'm, I'm mostly i'm very much of a materialist a lot of the times even though i i believe in in spiritualism to some degree but you know when my son went for his uh his um orientation at scranton and the roommate that he had picked for that or that he was randomly assigned to for that overnight was a kid he used to play with when he was three years old, <laughs> you know, and it like, like what are is, the chances, is that, right? Right. I mean, and and so did I try and drive some meaning out of that? I sure did. I I I was like, well, that's got to be a sign that we made the right, you know, choice in terms of where he's going to school. And then I had to kind of walk back my own insanity and be like, you know what, that's it's shit like that happens, you know, and and I like to think that that's a positive sign, and maybe he sees it as a positive sign. And if he does, does that mean it's going to. Ref- reverberate positively in his life you know right like i got sober i'm thanking god for that you know does it matter whether it's true or not as Uh, long as you believe it well i don't know yeah i don't know it does it matter i do have a
1: comment from um from dave from dopey um actually i asked him directly because i'm like i gotta get his opinion maybe he'll give us something good and he wrote I say everything happens because it happens. Oh, well, short like Alan. to the point. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's interesting because he talks a lot about his program, and he talks a lot about his—he's getting in touch with his higher power. Mm-hmm. If you listen to Dopey, you've heard the evolution mm-hmm. of Dave as he gets more into this, and you can tell he sees the change in his life. You know, the more he does like praying and you know believing and having faith, it seems to work wonders for him. He feels better. He feels more stable in his uh, recovery. You know, so maybe it doesn't matter whether or not it's true. Maybe just the effect that it has in your life, hopefully positive,
0: is enough. Yeah. I mean, you could pull back and take a look at it as the, as the, you know, Hindu sort of way of looking at it, that you and God and the universe are not separate things. So, even though you think that you're getting that energy or power or whatever it is from a higher power, that power is actually you in disguise.
1: I I love this view. And I've said this before on the show, my, you know, as I'm sorting through my, you know, worldviews and my theology and things like that, I've come to the sort of conclusion. uh, And it's hard to put this succinctly because it's, it's kind of um, out there, but just what you just said, that, Maybe God, as we think of it, is like this sentient energy that not only created the universe, but is the universe. Mm -hmm. And each one of us uh, as people are merely like um, a portion of that God who basically is manifesting itself in our world wherever so that it can experience uh, the world it created or that it is because right. if you think about God as something that exists outside of space and time, how could it, you know, appreciate things like smelling a rose mm-hmm. or love or even hate or mm-hmm. pain? It can't. So what it does is it's we're part of it itself and it's we're sort of little parts, little specks um, kind of like holographically though. So just like in a hologram, if you break a little piece off, it contains all the information. Yeah. So, well, that's we have that with fractals and we have that yeah, with, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And so um, to me, I think possibly this is a holographic universe. We're all fractions of the whole. Mm-hmm. And that's why when I talk to people now, I always work on when I look at someone else, I see myself and that it's just another part of the, the intelligent universe right. experiencing itself in different ways to get the full
0: experience. Yeah. And, um, and when you look at the yeah. universe that way, you know, you can't help but have compassion for everybody else in it because they, they are all yeah. part of you and you're a part of them. Yeah. So I was, you know, you know, everybody always says, you know, God is in everyone. Right. Um, that's, that's always said a lot, you know, yeah. you have God inside of you. Like I, I was thinking like, but really, you just you should turn that on its head and that you are you are in God. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, it's more or less the same thing, but, but different. And that's know? why it feels so good when you're helping someone,
1: you're helping yourself. You're helping the bigger consciousness. It's all right. You know, so that's why I love to be of service. Like when somebody calls me or, you know, even a stranger, I always start with what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. You know, and it changed the tenor of the whole conversation. Right. Um, how can I help you? Like what is it? And by helping you, I'm helping me. I'm helping creation, basically. Mm-hmm. And it lets me be more um, be of service, be more helpful and therefore making myself feel better because really, when I help you, I help myself. Yes,
0: but um, it's not selfish because right. Because selfish would imply the existence of a separate self. Exactly. And so
1: when we're thinking of ourselves collectively as the whole, right. it's part of it. Now, where this goes awry a bit, um, I, I had a nasty experience recently with a coworker, worker um, and I thought to myself, you know, I've, I'm not angry with this person. I feel sad for the person because I see them as me mm-hmm. making horrible decisions and experiencing... You know, that kind of negative side of the universe, negative side of, of life. And so I really don't see it as an affront to me personally. I see it as like a sad kind of, I'm hurting myself. Yeah, When they're hurting me or someone else, it's just hurting themselves. And so instead, what it does for me is instead of being angry and resentful, I feel sad. Mm-hmm. Um and it's definitely a different way of approaching like people like transgressions against you. Yeah, I can't. It's always hard to do
0: it. do. it is hard to do, but I'm getting better because at you the, you know we are the individual ego is a very strong thing. Yeah, you know, um, and you get your, your feelings hurt, and if someone calls you a name, it, you want to lash out, and you want to you know. Yeah. So it, you, it helps to have that perspective that's where i think you know meditation is very helpful and it's very sort
1: of buddhist right yeah make you know the buddhist goes to the hot dog stand and says right make me one, one with everything, everything. Yes, yes and then um you know the uh the guy gives him uh, then he says to the hot dog vendor he gives him a 20 and he says where's my change
0: and the hot dog vendor says change must come from within, within. yes yeah. That's so. when you punch the hot dog vendor. <laughs> where's my fifteen dollars?
1: Yeah, where's my fifteen dollars? So uh, these are the things we've been thinking about. Um, so, how does that affect recovery? How does it affect? Your- well, I mean, I mean,
0: the whole basis of of twelve step recovery is is turning your will over to a God of your understanding, a higher so, power. Yeah. So, so maybe I'm talking myself into thinking that if that higher. Power really is you in disguise. Then that's fine. I have no problem with twelve steps.
1: Well, right. It's that's uh, of your own understanding, and yeah. so maybe you've been reading it wrong the whole time. Maybe I have um,
0: been. I mean, I remember the way Evan Haynes was sort of talking about, and he was our guest, uh, you know, a few months ago. And oh, great you know, guest! Yeah, he he uh, he, he wrote awesome. that book, Can America Recovery uh, Recover? And he he goes really deep into sort of that whole psychology of how everything is connected on a. Not only on a quantum level, but also on a just a just a spiritual level. Well, yeah. yeah?
1: Now all of these hokey, relig- uh, not religious, these ho- hokey, you know, crazy quote unquote spiritual ideas about that we're talking here are starting to prove out in scientific research, mm-hmm. which is the most exciting thing I think that's happening in science is the things we're discovering on a quantum level, because we're all part of that. You know, like this spooky action at a distance, as um, Einstein called it, um, quantum entanglement, right? Like every, you know, atom in our body was once part of another, like everything is connected and they're discovering that they can actually communicate between two entangled particles Yes, over vast distances instantly. Yeah. There's no space that travels. So it's kind of starting to show us that even on a macro level, We have to start thinking of this universe. I'm not talking just here to Australia, here to Pluto, here to, Mm -hmm. you know, another galaxy. Like, really, scientifically, it's all part of the same thing. And that actually goes back to the Big Bang, where we all started, you know, if it's true. (laughs) If the Big Bang theory is accurate, which we it's starting to look like it is, or it is, you know, um, some people would say that's a mathematical certainty, but... Uh, the fact that we started out as one, and then when it exploded, mm-hmm. that one, which was all entangled, all encompassing, is now all over the place, and we're part of that. It's a lot of ones, but it's the same, it's the same one. Right. All over the place. So science is starting to sort of support these formerly thought of as, you know, uh, ridiculous uh, spiritual.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, even, I if, even if it didn't, though, I mean, it, it, it just it, it feels right to me to look at it that way. Um, yeah, it, it makes it makes sense, you know. Um, the the other part about the quantum stuff that's fascinating is that particles behave differently when they're being observed. Mm-hmm. You know, and what Schrödinger's cat? Yeah,
1: right, um, exactly. Do you
0: know about Schrödinger's yes. cat?
1: I should have. Uh, do you remember it? Because it's a really interesting experiment. That well, gets they gets quoted all the
0: time. They, they put a cat in the box, and the cat is both alive, and they cut it in half, and the cat's both alive and dead. Right. So
1: Schrödinger's cat. In quantum mechanics, Schrodinger's cat is a thought experiment that illustrates a paradox of quantum superposition. In the thought experiment, a hypothetical cat may be considered simultaneously both alive and dead as a result of its fate being linked to a random subatomic event that may or may not occur. Uh, This thought experiment was devised devised by Erwin Schrodinger in 1935 in a discussion with Albert Einstein. Uh, to illustrate what Schrodinger saw as the problems of the Copenhagen Interpretation. We are losing listeners right now. Um, <laughs> you don't need to go into so that. but uh, Basically, the, the, there's a cat in a box, and before you observe it, it's both alive and dead. Right. And that's actually borne out by, in particles, it's a wave, and it's a particle- at the same time until it gets observed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so going back, we should just edit that whole thing out. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all part of a scientific discovery and, um, and it has to inform our,
0: our macro view of it, existence. And it, and it does. Um, and, you know, the fact that we are connected may go some distance towards explaining why we are able to see connections and things that would otherwise appear random. Um, but, you know, I think, there's also, we're wired by biology to, to extract meaning from from seemingly random events, right? Right. That so, brings us to the article that,
1: uh, ah, okay. you know, so I actually, this is not recovery in the news, um, <laughs> but uh, this article from Psychology Today. I mean, we're wired
0: to see patterns and stuff, right? So Right.
1: And they call that, they talk about that in, in the paranormal world a lot. When you see a face in like clouds
0: and stuff. Uh, Paradoilia, do- I think it's called. Well, it's weird because, like, I meditate in my garage, right? And I am always staring at the concrete when I meditate because I meditate with my eyes <laughs> it open. It sounds like song lyrics. A lot of the, a lot of the Zen schools will have you keep your eyes open. And I basically, when I am looking at that concrete, all I see in there are faces. And I used mm. to think it was like, is this like acid flashbacks, or did I take too much LSD as a kid? But uh, I don't think so. I think it's just it's my brain when you untether it from. Um, from, you know, thinking, and you just give it a blank screen, such as like a garage floor that's made out of cement with a whole bunch of cracks in it, you're you're wired to see things that are linked together, like by image, whether it be a face or, or anything else. Well, it it's really, it's really trippy, you know.
1: It's evolutionary. It's called pareidolia, uh, and it's the tendency for perception to impose a meaningful interpretation on a nebulous stimulus, okay. usually visual. Uh, so that one sees an object pattern or meaning where there is none. Common examples are perceived images of animals' faces or objects in cloud formations seeing faces. Well, wait and a minute now.
0: They're saying it's not there, or your, your brain just sort of orders the way the light hits these molecules, so it really is there to you. Right. Right? Um, I mean, and doesn't that... Yeah. Go a long way towards explaining why you can derive meaning from something in recovery that somebody else, it's completely meaningless to them, because right. your brain orders it in a certain way.
1: I, th- I think, yeah, maybe, you know, and it was really a survival instinct. Mm, mm-hmm. Early on, you, you know, if you were looking in the forest for a predator or prey... You know, your brain can wants to see the like person. Everything's a uh, Yeah, right? <laughs> Fuck. Exactly. It's a survival mechanism, yeah. but it's with us today. You know, people see all kinds of things in the clouds. In fact, one time when I did acid in high school, we were driving up to a, a ski trip. Mm. And keeping in mind, I was not a deadhead. I did not listen to the dead. I had very little contact with deadheads. And I looked out the window, and the sky was clouds that were, I think they were green. And it was like upside down river of Grateful Dead skeletons, <laughs> literally. I mean, well, I, I mean, saw it
0: like it was there. You don't think the dead invented that iconography, do you? I mean, I don't they, know where it they, came from? They took it from their own acid trips. Oh, so there's shit. like there's like universal commonality in these images we oh. see. I saw turtles too. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was ama- It was funny because when we finally got up to the ski mountain, this was a school trip. I thought that the snow was green because it looked green to me. And I said to my girlfriend, I said, wow, I said, is it St. Patty's Day? I said, why is the snow green? And she didn't know I was tripping. Okay. And she was like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, never mind. (laughs) But, you know, I was seeing those things. Uh, And so this article is called Why We Think That Everything Happens for a Reason. Our Evolved Cognitive Bias is Magnified in Illumining Ways. In mental illness, so yeah, this sort of ties in mental illness. That's schizophrenia,
0: right? You 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 see like connections where they may not exist, or maybe they do exist. I don't know. I mean, some people have thought that schizophrenics in society are 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 most undervalued. They're really prophets, and we should listen to how everything fits together in their delusions because it might be important. I shouldn't have fired that <laughs> um, schizophrenic. You can't fire people for a medical type. I would never do you that. You should consult
1: your attorney. It's, <laughs> yeah, I am <laughs> right now. Many people go through life and face adversity and believe that everything happens for a reason or that things are meant to be. Mm. Many are certain that their lives are guided by a higher power. If not directly, then suddenly and mysteriously convinced that they see evidence of this in their life events. Subjective evidence can feel extremely compelling. These sorts of beliefs yeah. are so widespread that we generally do not consider them irrational or bizarre. They are consistent with
0: our intuitions. Hmm. Um, so, uh, so wait, if you, you, know. you talk to God, it's okay, but if God talks to you, you need medication? Then you're in trouble. <laughs> How does that um, work? But uh, part of this article, and we're going to tie this
1: back to recovery, the reason that we're going into the science of this and talking about it this way is because it's such a big part of the rooms and recovery and recovery literature, you know, that this higher power, that there's a reason, and it's constantly so. If you're sitting there going, what does this have to do with me staying sober? I'm getting there. Um, So, you know, I wanted to think back to, like, why do we feel like we have to assign meaning to all of these random events when something happens? Why is it important to me to say... That that happened for a reason. Mm. There was some plan, um, you know. And so this this um, is a psych- psychologist or psychiatrist says in my psychiatric pr- uh, practice, I've observed how this type of thinking can have powerful effects. Interestingly, both positive and negative on motivation. It can be reassuring, comforting, but can also lead to disillusionment, anguish, and feelings of abandonment, leaving some to ask why me when cruel adversity happens. I I have found it difficult to predict whether religiously or spiritually inclined patients will be consoled or embittered by their faith in a purpose-driven universe when they experience tragedy
0: and suffering. Let me um, ask you something. I embolden that. Uh, isn't it like this idea that the universe has a plan for you and that you know God is directing you? Isn't, isn't that incredibly narcissistic?
1: Y- yeah, and that's what the, the rest of this article goes on to talk about. Like when people are severely like. Uh, have a severe mental illness, how these traits that are so natural to most of us as a survival mechanism, you know, become exacerbated. And like people, you know, like think of Beautiful Mind, um, that movie where the guy's got newspapers taped to the wall. He thought the CIA was following. He's drawing, you know, Mm -hmm. patterns on it. And that's that's sort of the extreme of this. Um, But I don't know that it like um, invalidates the idea. Uh, But it's just interesting to note that when you're feeling those things you know, you're, this is an evolution. This is evolutionary. Um, it's not necessarily, Mm. you know, rational. It doesn't really help practically to think that way. I think
0: if you go overboard with that sort of thinking, you can really drive yourself up a tree, man. Uh, Like, you know, you, you look at all this arbitrary stuff and you think it's all important and that there's meaning there when it's really meaningless and, you know, you can really think yourself into a, quite a box with, with stuff like that. Right, and, then, and the
1: alternative you know, belief... Depression,
0: anxiety, I mean...
1: Yeah, the alternative belief that life is random is disquieting but can be emotionally liberating, as you're probably feeling once you've embraced your, you know, sort of, not atheist, but agnostic...
0: Um, I like, don't, you know, that that's... But that's also kind of uh, pessimistic in a way, isn't mm-hmm. it, that life is completely random and everything, nothing that we do here is, has meaning? I mean...
1: Well, <laughs> that, 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 but that goes I, back to... If it has meaning to you like yeah. why does it have to be tied to some greater super thing? beings yeah. you know plan why can't it be enough that you've done this for yourself you've done this for your family you're contributing to
0: your yeah, I, guess uh, that, I guess that is enough right for, for me right I mean I don't I don't need to be connected to but but I think I think as, as humans our species has a need to be connected to one another I don't know if we need to be connected to God and through God other people. Mm -hmm. I think we can just be connected to other people because what's good for for this family and this unit is also good for other people, right? Everybody living a a productive sound life, you know, not out there stabbing or killing people or doing anything crazy. Like, you know, that disturbs the social order, right? You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, the meaning can just be how you're contributing to, um, you know society. Um, the article goes on to talk about how human brains are pattern seeking. When we talk okay, about yep. um human they're pattern seeking and agency detecting. We evolved these tendencies as social animals to be very adept at recognizing purposeful, intentional action on the part of other people, as mm-hmm. well as on the part of predators and prey. These traits were likely favored by natural selection because of their survival value. Um, we're so adept at identifying
0: patterns. So this identifying patterns yeah. is also like us finding meaning in random events, right? Yeah. I think we are, that's how we were wired. We need to see, and that translates into there being a meaning when random things happen to us.
1: Yeah. And um, okay. interestingly, and this takes it back to some of what we've been talking about for, you know, ever since we started the show is dopamine um
0: ah, they actually I knew dopamine would show up
1: yeah the, uh, the brain mechanism of delusions is partly understood it probably has a lot to do with the overactivity of the neurotransmitter dopamine so what's the delusion that life has meaning um according to the scientist yeah like um <laughs> well for most people their automatic reality testing ability stops them from believing that someone in the broadcasting studio deliberately placed the ads on tv for them Personally, oh, okay. that would be delusional. Some, right. however, may believe it. It's part of some omen, a sign, for example, that fertility treatment is about to be successful. I don't. That's know weird. Why that
0: would. Come what about up. like larger conspiracy theories, though? How does that fit in? Because that's like whole groups of people seeing patterns where they don't exist. Yeah. Um, or may exist. I guess I should qualify yeah, well, that.
1: This this psychiatrist is saying that this, this these are symptoms. <laughs> Okay, of, of a mental of, illness. Of a real, like an <laughs> exacerbating mental okay. illness. Right. Um, I, so
0: you can you can believe that life is not random, but if you take it too far, then maybe right, it's like, time to... like every you know. little
1: thing has meaning. I right. mean, I think there, there's some middle ground here, but dopamine being a central player in the brain's attentional motivational pathways. So a spike in dopamine transmission, transmission marks a stimulus as important. So your brain, when there's a dopamine spike, like let's say you say... That just happened for a reason. Mm. You get a dopamine spike, and then your brain reinforces. It says that stimulus is important, making the stimulus more salient and noteworthy. Um, So, a person with overactivity of their dopamine transmission may think that too many things are salient, mistaking irrelevant stimuli as personally relevant. Wow! Uh, For example, like
0: bipolar and all that stuff, you know.
1: Like a psychotic individual might see the same model of car drive by twice in a few minutes and construe this as evidence of surveillance. So anyone right. who's done cocaine, right, right. Um, you know, especially
0: after a couple of days, you get,
1: yeah, you're, yeah. you're in this. All right. So, but like, why am I going this far discussing, you <laughs> know, uh, the science and all of that? Um, part of it is because I like to understand why I do irrational things. Mm. And, and it, it also makes me sort of struggle with like, I believe in God. I believe in a creator being. Mm-hmm. How do these newfound logical deductions, like, fly in the face of or support um, the theology that I espouse and that I live by? You know, and that's what makes me a little bit nervous. Like, am I talking myself out of a mm. closely held, you know, religious practice?
0: Well, I mean, if 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 your religious practice doesn't square with what you know to be true in, internally, then maybe maybe you need to alter the way you think about the religious practice. Yeah. Right? And, and I, I, I mean, doctrine is you know. just written by a bunch of people, you know. It's an interpretation. Well,
1: that's it. And
0: that's what I always
1: have told people when discussing theology is, look, these are books written by people. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, mostly. I mean, if you believe Jesus, you know, that the things that he wrote, okay, that's... Is God through man. like it's a whole thing, and there's a lot of well, if you look intellectual in, gymnastics you have to do to make it work. Um, there are, which is which is which is kind
0: of nutty when you think about it. Which, what, what was it's where faith comes in. Where faith comes in but but faith without reason is is based on nothing I mean right you, and you science, can have faith that Jesus was the Son of God but you also have to recognize that the that he never wrote down a single word that he ever said and the Gospels were all written 80 to hundred years after he last lived and
1: yeah. that
0: the Council of uh, Nicaea was the one that decided on which Christian beliefs were going to be the ones that were accepted Const- and so on and so yeah. Constantine the First Right, so it's, so it's like you have to under you can understand the history and then you still have faith right right but you know, what this starts to do, which I don't like, is to
1: treat science like it's religion. Yeah, no, and, I, I just I, I agree with that. I don't I like that and you know, like this guy goes on to say, um, and I won't read this whole thing, there's a lot. Science tells us that the universe is fundamentally random and purposeless. Yeah, see,
0: that's that's bullshit. That's random, bit, yes. Yeah. Purposeless, that's that's a value judgment. I don't see how science could make that. And
1: whose purpose? Your right. purpose or this exactly um, right. Uh, A random world which according to all the scientific evidence and despite our intuitions is the actual world we live in is too often misconstrued as nihilistic, demotivating, or devoid of morality and meaning. It needn't be. The scientific worldview of an unguided, spontaneous universe can be awe-inspiring and foundational to building a more compassionate society. And that's how he finishes it. So, okay. Um, but where does this fit into recovery? How does this, you know, I, maybe I, I overstated the importance of it, but it is something that is pervasive in all of our recovery. If it's Dharma, you're talking mm-hmm. about a, you know, basically an intelligent universe, right? In Buddhism. You're but, talking about a universe that that exists.
0: The, yes, the universe exists. <laughs> and um, But compassion comes in the back door. Good works come in because uh, because we are all at, there is no essential difference between each one of us. So we should, it's the golden rule in another religious guise. Right. And, and I think that by understanding
1: ourselves uh, and the universe through science and through some of these studies, it doesn't negate the idea of give yourself over to something greater than yourself. Mm. Because the universe, and I used to say this to people I was working with in the rooms, like helping them, you know, if they had a trouble with God, you know, um, I would say that, you know, um, it's, it's anything could be your higher power, not anything, but I would say, think of gravity. Mm. You know, if, if right. someone can't think of, you know, this God, you know, that it was abusive and you know, all of that stuff, people get wrapped up in that rightly so. Sure. I say, you know, it just has to not be you. You have to like this See or
0: does it, or is it, or is it <laughs> so
1: coming back to that, I mean, so if we're believing that we're all one, and this you know sentient universe is within all of us and all things, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you can't say I believe in a higher power because the higher power is
0: this universe that you're part of, right? Um, and I think that's an interesting approach. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna relook. I'm gonna relook at AA through that lens.
1: And, and I think that, you know that's kind of what you you know if you're really having trouble with the um, Judeo Christian version of God, to, and if it's keeping you from recovering, you know, they, they say it themselves, the God of your understanding, that could mean anything, you right. know, anything big, but it can actually be more, more valid and, and more supportive to believe something that kind of bears out in, um, you know, science and, and all of that, and it's still... God, it's still Mm. creation and we're still makes us even more
0: compassionate to our fellow recovering addicts. I would like to think with all the acid that Bill Wilson took that he's like he could see it that that way. And I think um, that's
1: going to wrap this up. I want everyone to, who's interested, I should say, write us at Mike R at middleagesrecovery.com and tell us what you think. And, you know, was this extremely offensive to you? I'm
0: very <laughs> sorry.
1: <laughs> we want to know. I, none, of, none of this was meant to be offensive. These are really just yeah. things I think about. I think it's important to. We don't know any of the answers. We're know. just thinking out loud. But this is what, what I think about. So, yeah. um, with that. I think we are going to move on to recovery in the news. Yeah, it is. Yeah. All right. Recovery. 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 recovery in the news. Recovery, recovery <laughs> in the news.
0: Recovery in the news. I'm the bucket. Yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah, <laughs> crack that note a little bit. <laughs> uh,. That was pretty deep, man. We went pretty deep on that last topic. Mm, Um, Right into the deep end. Yeah. I'm glad you put that article in there. You were very, uh, very, you really have command of the subject matter. (laughs) You do. I I even read the article before we did the show. (laughs) Yeah, I I did not. I don't uh, usually. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, it was cool. Thanks for uh, humoring me there, guys. So, uh, feeling addicted to food? You don't I'm have to answer right to away. <laughs> you finish I finish feel, with the vape. I do feel addicted to vape. Uh, your parents' drinking habits may impact your risk. Very This is an article that it, from somewhere. I don't see the site. Yes, no site. Um, given. But it's in just about every uh, media outlet this week. Um, so apparently people with a parent who has a history of alcohol problems. ScienceDaily.com. Okay. They are at a greater risk for showing signs of addiction to highly processed foods, Mm. a study from the University of Michigan found. I see. That's weird, right? Yeah. Foods like ice cream, chocolate, pizza, and fries, which contain unnaturally high amounts of refined carbs and fats, may trigger an addictive response in some people. And uh, the researchers wanted to know if a major risk factor for addiction... For example, a parent with alcohol problems Mm -hmm. predicted an increased risk of addiction to processed food. Interesting. A very intriguing hypothesis. As many as one in five people seem to show this clinically significant addiction to highly processed foods marked by a loss of control over intake, intense cravings, and an inability to cut down despite negative consequences. Does that sound like any other substance that we might be addicted to? Mm Mm-hmm. And they discovered that people who have a family history of addiction may be at a greater risk for developing a problematic relationship with highly processed foods. Mm. Isn't that weird?
1: Yeah, it's
0: interesting. It's something I've I've thought about before. Go on. But But. this addictive response does not only end with food. No? No. Mm. Um, People with food addiction are also more likely to exhibit personal problems with alcohol, cannabis, tobacco, and vaping. So, Hmm. what this sets forth is the idea that addiction may have a genetic component.
1: Either that... Or...
0: Yeah. Go on. (laughs) Or a social component. Yeah. But... Go on. (laughs) If it were purely social, Hmm. I don't know if you would expect to see... I think you would expect to see a predilection to an addiction to alcohol if the parent is an alcoholic. Because if the parent is not addicted to foods, weird carbohydrate-like foods, Mm -hmm. but the offspring are addicted, have a propensity for addiction to food as well as alcohol, doesn't that speak to uh, something going on with the dopamine system or a genetic predisposition?
1: Yeah, I think it just further proves our hypothesis that addiction Is universal to many things that it this the addiction is not the substance necessarily, yeah, correct, it's a behavior, okay, um, in general, which is why when you take a medication like naltrexone or campril, they tell you this and it's true overall, you won't crave. They even told me, like, you might quit smoking Mm -hmm. while you take this because it, it shuts down. The craving centers. And it was explained to me in rehab. They had a brain scientist come and. Show us slides about what causes craving. I'm
2: Dr. Nick. Hi. This
1: is your brain. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> and, and it had to do with something was jiggling in the brain cell, and then this medicine would like kind of stiffen it a little, so that the, the wiggling of the thing was the craving. I it, it was really interesting. Wow. Yeah, it was really cool. And this brain scientist, he was great. He like volunteers his time brain.
0: at this rehab. Brain scientist. He had a hat. Hi, I'm a
1: brain scientist. His and- hat said brain scientist. I think it was a joke. <laughs> Because he was kind of funny.
0: <laughs> Talking to a bunch of like stoners, that's hysterical. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah we come to uh, Seafield uh, out east on the island. And uh, I think he's still there. He does research. And in any case, I think this just goes back to, you know, and uh, I was feeling um, like I'm addicted a little bit to food now. Yeah. Me um, too. But sweets. Yeah. And I hadn't experienced that or thought of it in addiction like terms until. I started noticing that I don't eat much during the day, but between 10 and 2 a.m., mm-hmm. I'm going back to the refrigerator <laughs> for sweets. You have like
0: a reverse intermittent fasting. Yeah. You eat
1: <laughs> late at night. And and I even like questioned myself the other night. I was, you know, it was one o'clock. I wake up and uh, I I was like, I want to eat some ice cream. Mm-hmm. And then I stopped myself I said, what am I doing? Why do I want ice cream so much? And when I ate it, I got this feeling. It's your dopamine rush. Yes. Yeah. And I can totally see where this could be across the board. And is it genetic? Did you inherit it? I don't know, but behaviorally maybe. And there's a genetic component. Yeah, I don't know. I
0: don't know. Maybe maybe part of it is that you inherit you inherited the same kind of dopamine re- re- um, receptors that your parents had, or maybe it's the fact that there's a learned behavior on. Right. You watch them, you eat watch feel them better. You watch them use something external to themselves to cope with their feelings, whether it be food, whether it be alcohol. And somehow subconsciously you, if you're 10 years old, you're not going to go out and get smashed. An alcohol, but you can certainly eat food, which will yes. increase your dopamine response, right? So maybe right. that's it. So very right.
1: uh, salient article. Salient article. Cogent even. So let's move on. The covers, right? it. We're uh, bumping up on the two-hour mark. Well, you know, when it's every other week, I feel like we want to give the people what they want. But here. Speaking of addiction to food, I like, I'm starving. I'm starving too. <laughs> I think there's food waiting for me. Week and weird. uh Bigfoot photographed on farm in Tennessee. I like how a lot of... Course. of I love the question mark the end yes. of these titles. Uh, by who? Timmy B. Tim Banal. A peculiar photograph from a farm in Tennessee shows what appears to be some kind of figure lurking behind a fence. And the property owner suspects that it just might be a Sasquatch. In Tennessee? Yeah.
0: Is that a big place for Sasquatch?
1: Any part of the South sees Sasquatch. (laughs) No Um, kidding. The the odd image, which can be seen below, uh, we'll put it in the show notes, uh, was reportedly posted on a Bigfoot related Facebook group over the weekend by a man named Donnie Hicks. (laughs) Hicks.
0: Hicks. Um, He should have another name in there, like Donnie Roy Hicks or Donnie Lee Hicks.
1: (laughs) Explaining that one of his farmhands had sent him the picture, he mused that something is going on in the <laughs> middle of Tennessee with several alleged and rumored sightings of Bigfoot, and then wondered if the anomaly in the image could be the legendary cryptid. Of course. I love that word. Cryptid. 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 Hicks went on to suggest that the possible Sasquatch... The possible
0: Sasquatch. That's a good band name. The possible Sasquatch. possible Sasquatch
1: yeah. uh, has caused something of a commotion on his farm as... All of my chickens are missing. I don't know what to do or thank here. (laughs) Additionally, he lamented that my farm manager is completely freaked out by El Diablo Yeti. Well, that's a good one. And that concern over possibly encountering creature caused the worker, to actually quit his job. Wow. Alas. You don't pay me enough to deal with them (laughs) Sasquatches. That Sasquatch is looking at me. Uh, Alas, much like like many purported photos of Bigfoot, the image shared by Hicks is largely indecipherable. Of course. Though it does show a curious anomaly that somewhat resembles a figure standing in his field. However, not everyone is convinced that Hicks's photo shows a Bigfoot with some skeptical observers arguing that the oddity is far too thin to be the famed cryptid. And as such, they theorize that it could be simply a bird sitting on the <laughs> farmer's fence. Others have suggested that given the colorful nature of the farmer's account, perhaps the photo and the story that accompanied it are merely a prank on the part of Hicks.
0: Who would who would joke about something as serious as the Sasquatch? I would never joke about something as serious as Sasquatch. I know you Sasquatch. wouldn't, but I think Donnie Lee Hicks would. No. No.
1: <laughs> Sasquatch. Weak and weird. Uh, well, that about does it for today. I know I had a great time. Did you? I sure did. Thanks so Matt. much for listening. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks, Matt. guys. We appreciate you.
0: Thanks. We appreciate you. That's right. appreciate we do. you. We
1: appreciate you. I actually like that expression. Yeah. Appreciate you. I've been using it. Appreciate you. Yeah. Um, visit us at middleangesrecovery.com. Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and Twitter. So tweet as a twat you twit. Support your favorite show. Drop a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Join the private Facebook group. It's free, easy, and fun. Um, (laughs) It's easy. Just search recovery in the middle ages on Facebook. We'll pop up. I'll let you in. Buy a (laughs) t-shirt. Pop right up. uh, Or simply write and say, hello, Mike R at middle ages recovery.com. We love meeting new monsters and chopping it up on the Facebook group. Join the inner sanctum guys. Um, Free merch. It's a paid service um, that you get video episodes um, we get merch like <laughs> these cool mugs. There's a Discord server where we're always chatting with each other. You know, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, highly recommended. Go to Patreon.com. Highly, recommend highly recommended. Patreon.com. It's highly recommended. Patreon.com. Highly <laughs> recommended by the, the guys that are itself. cashing the checks. <laughs> yes, all of the checks. <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/recovering the Middle Ages and um, and check it out, guys. And finally, the best way to support the show is to share it with a friend. If you get something out of this, please. Share it with someone you love. Let's get everybody in on this. All of you. Everybody can live a more fulfilling, clean life, and we can do it together. Yes. Uh, and as we say. Non proficiat perfectum. That's stay
0: fresh, cheese bags. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Be good, Be also. Good. Okay. okay. Bye. Whoa. That's progress, not perfection. Bye. I'm still making noise.